This week's episode of This Is Only a Test is made possible by you, our fine listeners, and the support of our great advertisers. And in order to find those advertisers, we need to learn a little bit more about you. So please go to podsurvey.com slash test and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you a little bit better. And that way we can show you the advertisers that you care about. Plus, once you've completed the survey, you can choose to enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash test. P-O-D-S-U-R-V-E-Y dot com slash T-E-S-T. Thanks for your help. I want the show. Let's start the show. For Thursday, March 28th, 2018, 19, welcome to This Is Only a Test, the official podcast of Tested.com. Right. <laughs> Look at that fucking squirrel on my bird feeder. And then suddenly, the Enterprise D's bridge. You heard the dub, you heard the beat drop, and so you know one of the crew is missing. Is it Jeremy or Kishore? Is it Jeremy or Kishore? It's Kishore. He's not here. So we got Will Smith. Hey, Will. Hey, Norm. Uh, thank you for uh, agreeing to the terms of my rider. And That's right. I take great joy in knowing that the squirrel that was on my fucking bird feeder probably <laughs> is dead by now. Probably. <laughs> probably. What is the lifespan of an American squirrel? I'm going to do Wikipedia. Let's go. Yes, let's go. Uh, I'm going to go four years. I bet five. Well, with no health care. Well, Jeremy? None of us are going to have health care before long. Your guess? Oh, I thought you were warning me not to get political. <laughs> that um, too? I deserve two. <laughs> I'll, I'll go with three years. Oh, three, yeah, four, yeah. five. All I right, think what we're all way under. It can't be seven years. Will, are you Googling that oh, right no. now? Uh, according to wildliferespons.org, the life expectancy, of, uh, life expectancy of a gray squirrel, squirrel is 10 years. Years. Oh, wow. They're doing well. However, however, the average lifespan is 18 months. Jeez. So an old squirrel would be four years old. An estimated 15 to 25% of young squirrels survive their first year. After the first year, there's a 50 to 70% survival rate. So that squirrel could still be happily alive and kicking. Outstanding. Wow, that's great. Yeah. Uh, we'd like to dream that maybe that's possible. So Jeremy's here as well. Jeremy, how you doing? I'm well. Thank Welcome back to you, sir. Thank you. Thank you we, for we helping the podcast last week. We are, if you have been following along, and some of you have been for quite a long time now, uh, we are counting down. The countdown to episode 500 continues. This is, if you're keeping track, episode 493. That's a of, lot of episodes. This is only a test. That is a whole, I think it qualifies as a metric fuck ton of episodes, pardon my language. Uh, although the accounting for that is kind of arbitrary because we've done marathon episodes that we've split up into two parts. That's we've true. done CES stuff. But for the sake of <laughs> what the numbers are that I number them every week, we are on four. <laughs> I, I feel like we three. settled all the accounting on that around episode 300. Yeah, yeah. 200, I think, and then from then on, yeah, it, it's, it's been just pretty, pretty steady. Am I yeah. sitting next to the only two hosts of episode number one? Yeah. Yeah? Uh, no, was Ryan on it? Nope. I thought... It was just you and me. Just you and me? We just sat in that little dark corner all by ourselves in the yep. basement. At, we at did Salsalito. it remotely. We did? Episode one. I did it on a... Remotely? A, a, like, from, from a, we weren't even in the office Was it yet. just audio? It was just audio. Oh. It was me, I remember, recording an episode at home 
uh, on a crappy microphone. I think that's headset. episode zero. Because remember, we had to make a fake episode so that iTunes would honor the feed. Maybe, maybe that was it. Because I think we did the other one in the giant bomb basement. It's not the, like we had podcasted before. The three of us had podcasted for years before that. So well, it's all true. kind of blending in together. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Anyway, uh, we are hoping to have some some fun shenanigans as we get to episode 500. But that's still at least a month before I even have to think about planning that. Yeah. So yeah, you need to do like a countdown, like the 500 best moments or. Uh, oh, God. 500 best anything. Get, well, if you ask now, <laughs> here's the thing. If you ask now, people will send them in. Yeah. And then they'll do the work for you. There you go. Here Send in clips with time codes. I would love for people. We have if you go to uh, uh, just YouTube and such search. This is only a test podcast. You'll yeah. probably get the results for you know several hundred of our episodes, video episodes, mm-hmm. and of course they're on the website as well as audio. So if you want to scrub through and find your best moments, send us the YouTube timestamp links uh, over email. Email me Norman at tested.com, or on Twitter. You can just at me or DM me. And we will start accumulating them for some type of celebration. Okay. Maybe pull some some audio clips. I have all the MP3s, yeah. at least all the ones since you left. Well, so they're all on the. I mean, you can just log into the server, and download them. You that's have true. Access. Yeah, I, I could do that as well. Yeah. Anyway, uh, great episode last week. I didn't listen to it, but I presume you guys talked all about <laughs> GDC. It was a great episode. <laughs> <laughs> the Kishore Jeremy casts are really two starting, just the two of you? starting to become just the two their own little segment. It's hard to carry a two-person podcast. It's very it difficult. We got the chemistry, man. Three is a really thinking. good number. Three is a three, four, five, too many. It's five is too many. Yeah. Four, I would say, I dare say, <laughs> needs uh, needs some balancing. I don't know. And this table's too small for four. It, 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 well, it might have to fit a lot more come episode 500. Oh, we'll boy. see. Uh, but you guys talked about GDC, I presume? We talked about Monday, right? Because we, we recorded, oh, recorded only on Tuesday, Tuesday morning Whoa. at 8.30. So I didn't miss a lot of the discussion. Oh, no. So wow. we, you were basically there for the Oculus event, which oh, is all that we talked about. Yeah, because I flew out, uh, uh, flew to Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. literally right after that event. To work on unannounced projects. To work, and, Did you get and a pair also, of ropers? Did you get a pair of good boots while you were there? No, I did visit the Rooster Teeth uh, facility. Oh, it's neat, isn't uh, it? Very, very cool. I had no idea what a kind of a massive operation that was. Huge sound stages. But yeah, big shout out to uh, Adam Ellis of there and uh, Marcus, who is the production designer, who runs all their props. And so it was really cool to see their operation. But that is not here or now. Uh, <laughs> let's. Uh huh. Do some quick catch up. Any, okay. any any exciting things for you guys in the past week and a half? Well, sure, man. Went to the rest of GDC. Oh yeah, yeah. How was? <laughs> <laughs> but not news wise. Anything that doesn't I, fit. I played into... Spelunky too. Cool. Yeah, I yeah. saw Spelunky too. Did give me, you? Did you? Yeah. Give me the vibe of GDC. I don't want to hear the news stuff because we'll get to the news. We'll get it's to like, the impressions. But like what's, ch- what's the vibe like this it's year? Like chill E three. It's like well, Moscone was revamped it's very fancy so it's very nice now they have the be- urinals. beautiful oh. window that's you know floor to ceiling along the road that you can this look is up and admire the old north Moscone, and north and south yeah they it. have the, they have a, a bridge that goes across with led strips that are hanging down like raindrops you don't have to cross to through there. mission or no. howard anymore well, you have you to need... go up two floors to do it but no no wow. you still have to cross mission because it's on it's yeah you, you can go under or over yeah and the under is way bigger now the under goes all the way across like under feels it's, like a hall. It's, like, it's like a, a whole other hall. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, um, that's where Valve was in that in like the, oh, the ballroom. You would never recognize it yeah, now. Yeah, it's, it's all gone. open. Oh yeah. man. Did you did you see the alt control stuff? I that's my favorite it's area. My favorite part of GDC. I love year. that area. What is that? 
Well, it's it's obviously a play on Control Alt Delete. It's Alt Control GDC. Alternative controllers. Yeah, and it's a bunch of basically like they ripped like what would be at Maker Fair and ripped it and put it right into GDC. And it's a bunch of people who have made the, like things you would never be able to sell because they're they're contraptions and unique control schemes to a game that runs on this computer and this computer only. Sounds like something that would make good videos. Yeah, no, it's it's all. I mean, there's they're there every year, oh. and it's definitely. We used to do videos there when they started because they started six or seven years ago. This is the first time I saw it. I kind of remember one of the ones of like a caterpillar thing, like they took children's yeah. toys and, and turned those into controllers. So yeah. uh, this year, high points for me was were a thing called um, Hell Couch, which was basically they turned a couch into a game controller, and you had to do like the couch made you do things with lights and sound and cues and. It was very silly and very fun. Uh, there was a like a coal shoveling game where you they had like a, a hand pump that would crank coal out. It was a coal was, shoveling game. It was a coal shoveling game. Hmm. Um, I played one where made of cuckoo clocks. I didn't. I saw that, but I didn't get to play it. And you had there's a two dimensional game with a bunch of birds, and you rotate the uh, trajectory of your bird by changing the time of the clock, oh. and then you pull the the weights beneath the clock to yeah. flap. And then you have to push these things into the goal, but don't fall into the goal yourself. I also saw an LED game that was like, that guy was speaking to my heart. It was awesome. He had these tables with LEDs uh, um, going straight up a column in the center of the table, but then out towards the edges, he had an other strips that split into two towards the end and these triangular capacitive touch surfaces so that people could stand around this table and touch it and it would create effects, and you'd play all kinds of different games. There was a Simon Says version, there was an arcade version where you're firing so at the So the table is lit up by this array of LEDs that were going crazy. If you had, if you, if I had to take a test right now and draw a picture of what you described, I don't think I could do it. No, I didn't draw a good mental picture, but it, I'm telling you, I have a video on my phone. I okay. can share it with you. I will check that and out. It was, what was, was the name for people who want to oh, Google I have it? No idea. Okay. <laughs> Which one was it? The light one? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cuckoo is the Cuckoo Clock one. Um, I do not, I can't tell which one the, the light one was. Uh, I played, uh, Coal Rush is the coal game. That was really neat. Uh, it was broken a lot because that's uh, kind of also part of the way Alt Control GDC works. Uh, Octopad was somebody who broke out, uh, multiple controllers to control the functions of one gamepad. Yeah. And, uh, a Nintendo on, where one button on each, each gamepad. Each person controlled one button. And then they played Tetris. Uh, that that's, yeah. sounds like something you, you would do. Yeah. I actually, had, we had that idea. Yeah. They for, do for that our at, the maker, at, at, at the Metro, at uh, the Exploratorium. There's a Pac Man that you can do. Mm. These were guys uh, who had taken Guitar Hero. That and, one was really good. And they made a war game where. <gasps> oh, you bounce back? You kind of like Scott Pilgrim. It like is. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think that one's called yeah. Guitar Wizards. That was cool. Here, Here's the crazy. Uh, LED table. Oh, I see now. Yeah, but I don't have the name of it on my video. Um, well, that's not exa at all what I remember. But I got to play the Pong game that was on Kickstarter. <gasps> like the mechanical there. Pong. The mechanical. Oh, oh your why competitor. was there no magnetic oh, Pong? That... I should have shot a video. Four <laughs> oh, <laughs> tested. Look, hey, man, next time go to GDC. I know. And yeah. you can do these things. I would, I would I'd love to. Off in Austin, like uh, gallivanting on your barbecue. other projects. Um, I can't remember the name of the game that I played that was my... Oh, Extra Reality Codebreaker by Fleb. Uh, was this really neat thing. It, it had uh, paper puzzles and a little codebreaker box that was all... Um, it's like a Raspberry Pi with some knobs and dials and stuff and a little screen. And you could control all these different things. It was it was really neat and really well done. 
Um, and the, so the thing that bums me out about all control GDCs, I wish that like somebody would set this up for the You're good. the week before, so that we could hear, so that people who didn't want to pay a couple hundred bucks for a GDC ticket, yeah, could get access to this stuff because it's not because it's industry so stuff. fucking cool, yeah, and it's not industry stuff, and it's like the only place you're going to see it is at some weird installation art project like this, and they're not even at Maker Fair. It just feels like that. Like this, some of them are, some of them will be. I've never seen anything from these things crossover. Well, so some of them, like this, um, this flub guy, yeah, uh, they I talked to them at length, and I think they said they were going to go to World Maker Fair. We're hoping, okay. But um, the other thing that's interesting about that space is a lot of those games would actually translate into VR games really well. So, like, the Guitar Hero one obviously wouldn't, but the but the Extra Reality Codebreaker totally would. You just have, a, instead of having a little physical box, you have a little virtual box you mm-hmm. put your headset on, you turn your dials and all that. Anyway. Um, the, oh, the other thing I saw that was awesome was somebody turned... Do you remember the old Xbox game, Steel Series Battalion? Yes. Or, or, controller? Uh, uh, yeah. Steel Battalion? Yes. With the huge controller. Well, yep. somebody turned that into kind of a keep talking and nobody explodes co-op game. For everyone who doesn't remember, it was a mech game that was a yeah. true simulator. And it was a slow mech game, but you could like unlock stuff and have like torso twist and all that. It had a controller with like 200 buttons on it. And you had to do stuff in the right order or you would blow up your mech in a way that you could not get it back. Like it would delete your save file when your mech got blown up. So... They made like a manual and put one person in a room where they're like the controller and they're walking a rookie pilot through fighting the first time. Yeah. So it's it's like it is very much a keep talking and nobody explodes situation. That's great. So they had visuals to accompany this. The, the, so was, one person has a manual. It's just a manual. And okay. they're like on a headset in a dark yeah. room talking to the person on the other side. Did they use a steel battalion controller? They used the steel battalion but the, controller. But, but there was no wow. like visual game. That they're they... just playing steel battalion. Oh, God. So the framework is huh. you are you have you no idea how to do this thing. They put you into one of the hard missions. <laughs> oh, okay. and then, I see, I see. And, the, the, and like, the, like the setup is you're the rookie pilot. You're the you're the guy who's like, shit. All the pilots are dead, man. You got to get in the mech and save us all. But you're using and, the existing game content. And you're using the existing game content. It was very silly and very fun. Wow. All right. Well, that gives me a good sampling of what it was like at GDC. Thanks, guys. Yeah, you're welcome. A lot of shall, talks too. Shall we get to our uh, our first segment? Sure. Top story this week. All right, our I top story. I can't believe you're giving me crap about not getting enough stories at GDC. You got so many stories. Man. I'm giving crap because you got a lot of stories, <laughs> but more it's because I wasn't there and I feel right. really bad for not being there. Good. And I'm always like, one of, one of the more important VR weeks of the year, Norm. Well, it's not just VR. It's just like a lot of cool game developer and, and makery content in, in general. That's yeah. true. Yeah. So it's, oh, that's that's the the curse we have. You know that scene in the Mummy where the guy at the end of the movie he's no. like trapped no, and he's like, and he's like he's in the room full of gold, mm-hmm. and then uh-huh. he yeah. he has to grab all the gold, but the doors are closing and the scarabs are closing. Are you talking about the him. Tom Cruise one or the no, Brendan Fraser the one? Brendan Fraser one? And then he like he can't get out because he's like, oh, I gotta get the. It's Benny, the character. He tries to get all the gold, and then. He realizes he can't get all the gold, but it's too late, and the doors close, and the sand fills up, and he dies. That's yeah. how I feel like during any <laughs> convention week. <laughs> Smothered. All right. By opportunity. Pretty pretty dark, Norm. Yeah. Top story. This week. Uh, <laughs> this Monday, we had a big event. It was the Apple uh, event. What would what what they build this as? I don't there? think I would call this one a big event. Well, anytime they have a, a big showtime event. Show t- it's show yeah. time. Show space time. Boring time. Right? <laughs> Will has thoughts. Well, ahead of this event, as I'm sure you guys talked about, were uh, some just hardware news drops. 
Mm. There was the new iPad mm -hmm. uh, Air, the new iPad Mini. Now, mm -hmm. either either of you interested in iPad Mini? No, I'm probably fine. Oh, I I use an iPad Mini exclusively. Like that, that's my only iPad. So I I've been waiting for an update, and I'm glad it supports the pencil. However, like <clears throat> I haven't bought one yet, so maybe I'm not that interested. So my iPad why, is like... I, this is interesting to me because all the review there are reviews now out for this iPad Mini, and everyone says this Mini. Despite the fact that it's the exact same form factor, mm -hmm. does has the exact same old design, doesn't have the new Pro design, doesn't have uh, Face ID, uses still uses Touch ID, Lightning cable, headphone jack, all that jazz. These are um, all pros. These are all I'm pros, concerned. right? Yeah. <laughs> Despite that, people, uh, it also is the least compromised Mini in a long time because it has the new A12. Yeah. It's it a real has the processor. X, has has the fast. Fast, fast A12. Does it have a good screen now? It has a better screen, so it has the cl uh, the true uh, true tone, and also the um, uh, the pixels are closer to the glass. Oh, that's nice. So everything about it on paper, and it's cheaper, and smaller is better for some people in yep. terms of one-handed use. Yeah. Everything says this is a great iPad to potentially get, and yet Jeremy, not interested. You know, because I don't. You know, my last iPad, I, I don't even know which one I have. I got the first one with Touch ID. Yeah. And it works. It's snappy enough. You know, I use it to read before going to bed, and it's it does the job. I mean, that's where I, I have an Air 2, and I, like, as often as not, when I go to pick it up, it's not charged. Yeah. Because I use it for really specific, like, I use it for drawing sometimes. I use it for reading comic books. That's pretty much it. Maybe watching movies on an airplane. But even, like, with the battery on my iPhone now... I don't even worry about that. Like, I watch movies on the airplane and the whole thing. If I was an artist and I was a drawer, then I could absolutely see getting one because the pencil looks super cool. But that is just not a part of my world. So the thing that doesn't have for a lot of people who have, for example, the 10.5-inch iPad Pro, and uh, it doesn't have the 120-hertz screen. That's so, probably fine. And it doesn't have keyboard support. So it's small enough that it doesn't have. And I've found that... Uh, well, it has Bluetooth keyboard support. Yes, yeah. but doesn't have the the type cover yeah. support. Does it have HDR? Uh, no it's not HDR. HDR, right? No. Uh, I found that the, a type cover is a thing. It's more so than the pencil for productivity is the thing that huh. I use most with the iPad. It makes the iPad twice as good because ergonomically, I can I can hold it, I can scroll and yeah. and type. Um, you can use your keyboard shortcuts, your Apple, you know, window or option tabs or whatever, uh, Apple tabs. I like that it does unlock certain features. It doesn't just let you type faster. Exactly, exactly. Um, and the Mini really is more of like a travel companion computer then. Well, like for me, the Mini is the, the iPad my kid uses. Like we have one of those big, soft, yeah. foamy cases. Throw it. You, you guys have one. Throw yeah, it out the window. The I don't care. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. Do you do multitasking on the iPad? Do you like Never. do the... The split screen. Literally never. I, I use that all the time. You, use, you have a pro. Yeah. 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 I have, a, yeah. I have a baby iPad for babies. You are a pro. Yeah. I'm all just right. an amateur. So, so iPad mini. Also AirPods 2. This was, did you see how this news was dropped? It was oh, a, by the way. T no, no, no. It was a Tim Cook meme. Yeah. He memed himself. Yeah. What? Really? Yeah. Tim Cook memed himself. Drawing so it. There was a photo of him with a new iPad mini. Yeah. And that was like, like two days before this. And then uh, people had spoofed it by drawing things, putting things into the screen that Tim Cook would potentially be drawing. And then Apple PR, smart enough, took that meme and then put an AirPods image on That's the iPad and then Photoshopped some AirPods in his ear. And the only difference is, of course, now the AirPods case has a little light on it because it does 
wireless charging. Well, it also the Touch new charging. AirPods also have better battery and supports Hey Siri. Stuff. Yeah, so it actually oh, two, it does. there are yeah. two products. I don't now. know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but maybe it's a good thing. Right, there's the AirPods Two, which yeah. looks exactly the same. No matte black. Everyone was hoping for a black color. No, AirPods. no better coating so it sticks in your ears. Nope, better. nope. It's the same external, and there's also a new case. You can mm. buy. The case separately. If you already have the AirPods. If you already have yep. the AirPods. Yep, yep, yep. Or you can buy the the two mm-hmm. with the How charging the case? case. I think it's 70 or 80 bucks. And is the two just 150 bucks still? 159 no, or whatever? they raise the price a little bit. What? Yeah. Yeah. The, the Everything all in one is 199 Yeah. So it went from wow. 170 or 160 Nice to, work, yeah. Apple. No, they, get, that, get that price inflation going. Like, imagine this. Five years ago, three years ago, asking someone to pay $200 for a pair of wireless headphones was extreme. Well, I mean, was look, was silly unless you were getting real good audio file quality stuff. You, you can get yeah, you're not getting that from the AirPod, no. AirPods. You can get a really nice pair of wireless earphones for still a hundred bucks. For under hundred bucks, under hundred bucks. Yeah. The the the. I mean, okay. The thing that the AirPods are, and the mm. reason I have them is that they're really like they're the best Bluetooth headset I've ever had. In what way? The user like experience of pairing. For no, pairing. no, 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 no. I don't give a shit about pairing. I'm talking about like for making phone calls. Mm. You put one in, it works. You tap it, it, there's no nonsense. Notice you put one in. That's how I use it too because the battery life has sucked on those. And so anytime I'm on a long call, if I'm on a call that's going to be over an hour. <laughs> you, you keep one in I reserve? I keep one in, in exactly. Yeah, and then I funny. swap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Because the, the, yeah. the case charges. Yeah. And so I yeah. hear that little tone that's like, do-do-do-do-do. I'm like, uh-oh. Let me put the other one in, and then... Okay. So I've never actually run out on mine, but my calls are always 30 minutes. Uh, the other thing is that there's a lot of uh, radios in them. There's a radio in each of the AirPods themselves, yeah. and there's a radio in the case. So if you have a... Once it's paired, you don't even need the case. The case can be in your jacket pocket, and you can walk as long as you have your phone, and it's going from pod to phone as I, opposed to pod to case I to phone. I always... As soon as I take them out of my ear, they go right back in the case because I'm always afraid I'm going to lose them. Yeah. Wait, that's new? That's right. not new. No, no, uh, they always do that. Okay. So here, here, the things that are new is that now they change the chip on the inside. Previously, it had a, uh, a, a, a small microprocessor. I think it was called what was it, like the W1 or something, and now they changed it to the H1. That's made specifically for the, the yeah. wearables, or it's reverse maybe. Um, that's supposed to have better battery life, faster connection time, pairing time for people who. Didn't think that was fast uh, enough. Well, I mean, there is a little bit of a lag when you open the case and like you see, to see your battery and all that. And then, of course, like Jeremy said, there's now just audible Hey Siri support, so you don't have to double tap. I'm curious about the double tap function now, which previously you could have. Well, you can bind it to whatever. You can bind it to two two things, yeah. I believe. It's either Hey Siri or uh, vo- music view, uh, music playback yeah. controls. That has not worked great for me. That's so, so that works great for me. The problem I have is like I, often I'll put them in my ear and the in-ear detection takes a way longer than I would expect to wake up and yeah, turn them that, on. Same here. Same like here. That's, that, like, if the, it, as often as not, if the phone is ringing and I'm not expecting a call so I don't have, my ear, my, have them in my ears, then I have to answer the phone you know, by holding it up to my ear and then put the AirPod in the other ear and, and tap it to wake it up, which sucks. Okay. So those were the major hardware announcements that they released and they didn't think were very important. So yeah, they, and then they announced them, a bunch of nonsense. They released them a, ahead of their event, and their actual event launched with the announcement of Apple News Plus. Oh, which, it's the first. I mean, which, we spent a lot of time talking about the hardware because honestly, the, the the services stuff, I think, is a little less exciting. 
But, okay. Hey, apparently Tim Cook's been trying to steer the company towards services for the past five years. Well, you know, since Steve d died, the whole company's just gone to shit anyway. So, so. there are four pillars of this services announcement, right? Thanks, yes. well. Four pillars. <laughs> four pillars. Let's start with what Jeremy talked about. Uh, Apple News Plus. Now, this is the, the, uh, the fruit of an acquisition they made from a digital subscription magazine company called Texture. Oh, man. Now, I mean, texture, people love magazines in 2019, don't they? It's a real booming market. Yeah. Full disclosure, the three of us come from magazines. Yeah. Print, <laughs> print magazines and, and digital iPads. I remember when the iPad came out, and I was still at the magazine, and we had a whole company meeting. Like, the, the bunch of people got together in a boardroom, oh, and we were talking about, like, what are we going to do? going to save the company. What are we, like, magazines still have a future, right? So I, I thought that Apple News Plus was going to happen, like, that year. Right, right, right. It right. has been Might've so helped. long. It's been eight years. Nine. Nine years since the iPad came out. So yeah. Texture, you may not have heard of it, but you may have heard its previous iteration. We actually have covered it before in testing. It was called Next Issue. Do you remember this? Yeah. Next Issue was a company that they had an app, and you paid a subscription service to get mm. uh, a buffet of magazines. Yeah. And they would work with publishers uh, like you know Wall Street Journal, like uh, Condé Nast, and process and, and format their publications for uh, optimal tablet reading. So it was on all the different platforms. It changed their name to Texture. Apple bought them. And essentially, the experience is the same. The existing relationships, but some of you know, the revenue split, whatever. Who knows? Some of the publishers might be getting a little less money. You're going to pay this flat fee of $10 a month. You can share with your family. And you get access to things like Nat Geo. You get access to... Not all the things like Wall Street Journal, partial. You can like they're not very clear. More, right? where it's, yeah, where it's, it's like gonna be a selection. A yeah. Exactly, it's like the basic, the light versions yeah. of some of these publications. Now, the big thing for Apple is that uh, they will suggest you publications, so it's about discovery, but they won't track you. So they made a big deal of, and this is a big thing for them this past year, comparing themselves with the the other uh, big big uh, the big companies, five. the big fives, uh, the fangs, the free companies. Uh, that there's no. Uh, advertising tracking yeah. on so, this because you're paying for it. Okay, and also they're hiring editorial to curate news, editorial people to curate news, which is a really, it's a brand new concept. We've never had any human beings <laughs> well, deciding even, which news is important and which news isn't important before. Apple's, I mean, it's, it's something that Twitter does, right? Twitter has uh, a team of people. That's how the, the Twitter uh, discovery box works. Look, but so Apple it, News has worked for them. Like They have the data from people using Apple News um, How many times have you used Apple News dude, Lifetime, Norm? Apple News is free. It's free, yes. And th that is the big difference. How many times have you used Apple News Lifetime? And it, I it, use it almost every day when I swipe to the left. Really? And it's the top thing. It aggregates. Oh, I took that off. It's and it aggregates there. free content that yeah. it can you can then link into, and you is just a natural part of the, of the of the web. This is three hundred magazines off the shelf. So one month behind, maybe sometimes two. Plus, in terms of you know, a handful of newspapers, but not not New York Times, not not the, not the BBC, not yeah. the Washington Post. It really is a play for you know long form storytelling. And I'll, I'll, I will say that so, as someone who spent all of last week traveling and on like four different flights, I wish I had magazines Dude, to read. I, I don't know, man. I feel like Apple News, the success of it, one had to do with it being free, but also two, it was content that was meant to be digested on the web. It was not long form content. Here's right. here's the thing you're both missing. If my father, if my father, uh, who exclusively sends me links from Apple News, which don't work on any non-Apple devices mm -hmm. for the record, uh, has updated his phone, he's already paying ten dollars a month for this. Like he's he signed up immediately. Old people love Apple News. Like boomers, 
Apple News is their jam. But this is and, and this and, is going to be a little slightly different than Apple News as it is because Apple News, like Jeremy says, takes from free sources and they're articles. They're like yeah. things from Reuters, things from Fox AP, News. things from Fox, Fox News. News. Yeah. Absolutely, uh, this is not indexing, presumably, the magazine content in the same way. Because the magazine content, the long form, the, the Nat Geo stuff, is all essentially just PDFs. I mean, literally, they are just images. Well, and to the point where it's, it's a service available now. You can subscribe to Apple Plus and get that first month free. People have found that the PDFs aren't even encrypted. People are pirating these magazines off of Apple News is, Plus since yesterday. It's not a... It's not a Look, they're not they're not in the privacy in the protecting the content business. They're in the making it accessible. Making it accessible when, and when getting you, a big web share. Yeah, when you're look, they're saying, hey, there here's your bet, National Geo. You're going to get more revenue from us on a percentage split of this of this sharing service than you will on being on newsstands. No, no, on on ads on your website. Oh, trying to do on, their own subscription. If you're, try, if you're, try, if you're trying to do. You're not going to get a pay paywall to work because it's too late for that. Probably are the ads it, stripped from the magazines? Not the visual ads. Yeah, the visual not. ads aren't. But okay. but like they're but they're saying is hey, you're going to get rate based on the ads. We'll pay you a little bit of money, and also you know you're we're going to give you access to the X million of people that use this every single day. A little bit behind the lot. curtain, I don't think that the publishers are sharing the ad revenues of things they've already sold. I'm sure. Th I'm sure that the ads in the magazine don't exactly don't count. So like Apple doesn't get part of that. I'm just going to use the Nat Geo example or whatever, right? Like if you go read the Nat Geo copy on News Plus, you get essentially the PDF version of that exact issue, yeah. ads and all. Nat Geo is making money on those ads. It's interesting that they're not presenting by... it better. So this really is free content that they're just repackaging. Not I mean, free. I mean, to otherwise, for ten dollars, you're getting three hundred magazines. The rev share on these things is like fifty percent to Apple. These Publications are getting pennies. Like, they're getting but pennies. It's so Nothing. But it's all about distribution, Look, so they can say it's all so, about. Yeah. It's basically free, is what it's I'm circulation. saying. So it's just to get they're increasing the number of eyeballs. So, yep, so exactly. So magazine business. This is something a lot of people probably don't know, but magazines make money one of three ways. They sell ads. They sell magazines to subscribers to people who say, "Hey, I'll pay you X number of dollars to get X number of issues." Mm -hmm. And then they also sell ma new, uh, news magazines stand. on the newsstand. Yeah. Um, some some brands don't do one of those pillars or two of those pillars. So like yeah. Cook's Illustrated doesn't do advertising. So there's no ads there. It's just newsstand and subscriptions. Yeah. At Maximum PC and PC Gamer, we did all three. And we were strongly, strongly leaning toward revenue on newsstand, revenue from advertising. And then the subscribers basically paid nothing so that we could say, say hey, advertisers, we have X hundred thousand people buying this magazine every month. And if you buy an ad in here... This many people will see it, and it'll get passed along to this many people. And that's yada, what this yada, is. Yada. And this is giving them massively expanded reach at very, very, very little circulation cost. Right. So like, the question when we looked at circulation, the question was, how much money do we have to spend to get to, to get to the number yeah. that we want to have for the advertisers? Yeah. Yeah. And if this counts for for the for the advertisers, it's a huge win, even if the magazine publishers get nothing. So the, if they can increase their rate base, I go back to the question of how. Then transparent, it's Apple going to be with these publishers to share data because it better be real transparent, right? Because if it's just like the cable, the it's Comcast bundle deal, right? And everyone's watching it for ESPN, and no one's really watching it for the, the Golf Channel, go exactly. Then how is Golf Channel magazine going to be able to tell its well, advertisers that we are now in X million of subscribers? I, I would bet that if my I have a lot of questions about these subscription services in this and in games too, because games is a similar situation. Like if you put your game on Microsoft's Game Pass, 
do you get paid based on the number of hours people play your game or do you get paid based on just everybody gets the same split or well, what? And the same question applies here. For something like Spotify, for music, it is based on playback because they can track that. There's established rates. that like There's established rules for how that works that Spotify lives within, though. And we don't have that in magazines. We don't have that in games. So, yeah. yeah. Where's Future Publishing? Anyone know? Why aren't they represented? They're not there. They're not in the, in the, still, the future. Thing. Is still the are they not on the list? Yeah, I don't uh, see any future publishing stuff in there. I, oh, I mean, look, if you're it. not selling a bunch of ads, this this biz, this deal doesn't make a lot of sense for you. Probably is Quicks Illustrated on there? <laughs> Bet not. <laughs> they got uh, animated covers though. That's nice. You know what I would like is for them to pull out all of the PDFs and make them look nice on my phone. So uh, Apple bought this company, Next Issue slash Texture, to do this, to do it as a big play. They feel like they're going to get make money from this. It only makes sense for Apple if they're going to get if this is going to scale to the millions or tens of millions of people paying you know ten dollars a month, households paying ten dollars a month. Uh, I don't know if it will. Does this feel like a big? I, I think it's. I think it's a. The value proposition is there, especially if there's good integration on iPads and good integration on iOS devices, which a lot of people do have. I think it'll probably be more streamlined than your downloading of a, the Texture app, the Next Issue app, and and running that. It might be built into the the UI or the OS as you swipe left, right, as a widget. Uh, but people just aren't accustomed to paying that ten dollars for. I, I think I, people who who subscribe to. Nat Geo or, or okay. Wired, like the physical copy. You really, you really are overestimating how hard it is to take money from boomers. <laughs> like, how, just now, sign up and say, "Hey guys, now, look, we, we got we got your we got your Rob report. We got your Yacht Weekly. We've got uh, scary immigrants are coming to our country. All of these magazines and more are available to you for only nine ninety nine a month." These are also people the same people. Right these are also the same generation that call us to hook up their modem. Yeah. You know, so I'm not sure that they, they can work a credit card, Jeremy. They like they like the tangibility of of the magazine and flipping through it. Everyone does. That is clearly the better technology for reading a magazine. And, and not only that, it's having the the I stack don't get of magazines, any magazines anymore. Right, the the stacks of that doesn't scare old, the that doesn't scare the boomers. No, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly it. And they that's an easy way for them to remember what they read. That's true. Pick up a cover. Oh, that's this true. issue, I read like four good articles. This is the most ageist episode we've ever done. I'm All right, glad to sold. Be here Apple sold. Card, who's in? All right, nope. second big pillar of news, credit card from Apple. They did it with Sachs. Now, let's say what the news is. It's titanium. I don't fucking care. There, it, it's a, it, Apple is now, like many other companies, <sighs> like your airlines, mm -hmm. like your clothing companies. No, it's have, not like that, actually. Those own. are secured by Visa and MasterCard. This one is MasterCard. This is, oh, it is. Yeah. It is MasterCard. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, so, Apple Pay always has been. So this is a partner with Goldman Sachs and MasterCard oh. to do their own credit card. Now, the difference between this credit card and what you normally buy through your bank, for example, is uh, the card is optional. The physical card is optional. The titanium card. Oh, so you can't use it in retail locations. Well, Great. if you want the physical card, they will give you one. Okay. But they really want you to use Apple Pay. I would to love pay. to use so I love Apple you Pay. You want to use Apple Pay because you get more money back. I love Apple Pay because it's very convenient and it's fast. And I don't have to take my wallet and out. And now it's in Target. So yeah. big deal. Or Walgreens. It's been always in and if you hook Walgreens. Walgreens was early. Yeah. If you hook it up with Apple Card, you get 2% back on that I purchase. I already have a better deal with that with my current bank. I'm fine. I'm just saying if you like using Apple Pay. I don't like that it doesn't have a fucking number, so I can't use it on a it non does. This, it this does is have the a thing. Number. It's in your phone, though. The number, you have a number, a 16-digit number, and if you get a physical card, you will have a 16-digit number. No, not now, on the card. Not on the card. The, the, it's in your app. Sure, it's in your app. Yeah. The, the code 
the uh, the CVV? CV, CCV, CVV, whatever, the three-digit, four-digit code yeah. that you usually type in. 6969. <laughs> <laughs> that code, which normally is attached and printed on your card as a security measure, yeah. Yeah. that gets cycled and encrypted locally on your phone. So that's oh, so why it's one... more secure. It's, that's tit- what... it's titanium. <laughs> now, the, the people will... I don't think that's the thing that will get people to adopt this. I think the thing that will get people to adopt this is the no fees plus the reward structure. People buy credit cards. There are entire websites about how to maximize the benefits you get from credit cards. Yeah. right? And there are a lot of crazy benefits from flight miles to hotels to cash back and insurance. Yeah. This card does very no fee, three simple benefits. Right, It is 1% cash back wow. yeah. on, on purchases made with the physical card, yeah. 2% cash back. If you use your Apple Pay at like your Target or Walgreens, what? and the difference is that cash back goes directly into your Apple so, Pay account. And what, what if I buy an Apple product from Apple? Then it's three uh, percent. So those, but you're better off just getting a, a, a business account, and then you get five percent off. If you're the type of person who min maxes your credit card use in terms of the benefits, yeah. and this is not a card for you. So my question is. I, I mean, I know why they're doing this. This is a rhetorical question because we talked about okay. this when they announced Apple Pay five years ago, yep, whatever yep. that was. Why are they doing this, Norm? They're doing this because they want to be, one, they want to be in Venmo's business. They want to be in the we hold money for you that we that Goldman Sachs can, one, make interest they, off they wanna of. They want to get in the I want to pay off my gambling debts for Super Bowl business because that's what Venmo is. Basically. Uh, they also, there's so much data that you get from your purchases that they want to be the middleman to get mm. that data. And they Huge want to pay amounts. lower rates to the credit card and, and or no if rates. They are the credit card company. They want to collect the. They don't. Yeah. yeah, they want to collect the rates and not have to pay the bank and the credit card company. I mean, I'm sure they've negotiated a good rate. Now, Tim Cook went on stage. And said, Interest rates are really low on this. You read the fine print; they're high as they're hell. Not really they're like low. 13, 20 percent. Yeah. What? So, yeah. Uh, if you don't, if you miss a payment, that's how credit cards work. Holy cow! Don't miss a payment on your credit card. No, no I, I don't miss payments. That, that's the, the um, trouble with credit cards. This is how like, are they? So far, we've had two exceptionally boring, tedious. Dude, titanium. <laughs> Jeremy, I can get you a sheet of titanium by three o'clock today. Here, here's a question for you guys. Done. It's not going to be backed by Goldman Sachs, the architects <laughs> of the 2008 bank collapse. You guys are both iOS but, you know, users. You guys presumably like Apple Pay on your your watch on your phone. It's a little I more don't convenient. Use a watch anymore. At least on your phone. It's more convenient. Double tapping, clicking the side button. More yep. convenient I, than taking out a credit card and swiping it or how long it takes for the it, chip to, yep. to read. I'm it works. Right. Undeniably. It works because I have my phone out when I'm sitting at the checkout. Sure. Right. Yeah. That's, that's why I use yeah. it. Why? The, the, you, I, the question is, do yeah. you use Apple Pay like you use Venmo, though? Do you use it to pay people? I use Venmo to p- tip my barber when I get I my I think I once I paid you once with Apple Pay and you got upset. You had because to... it's another bucket. <laughs> yeah. Because just like Venmo, just like PayPal. Yeah. It's taking money out of your bank account and yeah. putting it in a bucket that if I'm not going to use that on a regular basis, yeah. the reason I tolerate PayPal Mailbox is they're highly integrated with one, what the, what the youths are using, and two, what eBay uses. Did you just describe the youths? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, so I, I, am, I do not go to bars and split tabs with people enough that Venmo is an important part of my life. But when, like, when we go to the lunch... And someone pays for lunch, I gotta pay them back. Mm-hmm. Venmo is what I use, and so I don't care that I have like fifty bucks in Venmo, kind of like that nebulous it's slush fund. Sl- yeah. yeah, that that because it takes it doesn't go directly to your bank account. It's not like um, what Google did with cash, was that it goes directly to your bank account. There was never any holding. Yeah, because Google just cares about they don't care about the interest they're making off yeah, that. They just care about the data. Apple I, with Apple Pay, 
they're doing that holding thing too. You have an Apple Pay yeah. amount that you have to manually transfer to your bank account. So as somebody who uses Windows about half the time, like I use Windows on my desktop and then I use iOS on the on mobile. Uh, anything that is iOS only and doesn't work appropriately on Windows is effectively useless to me. So like Apple Pay is no good. For, like I would love to use a Mac still and people use Apple Pay when I buy each other on the web, but I don't. And I wouldn't have used Safari anyway, so it's... I it's think Apple telegraphed an openness to spreading their services to other platforms at this event. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see everything migrate to Windows eventually. So I'm going to tell you they've done that in the past, and when they have, it has been 10 years since they did any serious Windows app development like iTunes or anything. It I'm has always been terrible. <laughs> iTunes is horrible. So like iCloud on Windows is so bad that you just shouldn't install it on your computer. Uh, I, iTunes is bad on Windows. I don't... I mean, iTunes is bad on Mac at this point, probably, but I, I don't. I, I'll believe that when I see it. All right. So, do you play games on your phone? I mean, let's talk of. about item number three. This one seems bad too. This one, I think, has the most potential, I'm and t- also the biggest. Hear him out. Okay. Biggest potential for failure as well. This is uh, Apple Arcade, and it's not Game Center, thankfully, but it is basically they know people love buying iOS games. Game Center was good, for the record. It did what it was supposed to. It gave you leaderboards, and you could play games against each other. Universally the least used app on your your phone. Well, that's fine. It's no longer an app, but those those services still exist. Yes, there's more back-end stuff. Mission accomplished. Less achievos, front-facing stuff. Uh, They know people buy games on on iOS, and there's a lot of money. And there's there's a whole category of games that are free-to-play that have kind of dominated the market. Candy Crush. This is not to supplant the free-to-play games. This is to make it easier for you to get access to the games that normally would cost $5, $2, $10. In addition, being a little bit of like a Netflix model of them also paying for game development for iOS exclusive, uh, not only iOS, Apple Arcade exclusive games that then you would pay a subscription fee for. Now, the problem with this Mm -hmm. is no pricing announced, no launch time announced aside from the fall. So kind kind of a... non-announcement if they're funding development that's interesting right that that's potentially good because i like there are a ton of people making really good mobile games that are just dying because so you can't compete on the app store here's the right question now. on the ios market when you're talking about a giant marketplace do people care other than a developer like nintendo and mario run making like mainstream news do people care about paid games from Njimoko from the Temple Run folks who already just do free free to play stuff. Like, so, is that going to be a selling point? I mean, I I think I think the um, yes, I think they do care. If you look at like stuff like starting with Doodle Jump and going forward to like the stuff that Zach Gage makes, like Type Shift and Ridiculous Fishing and all of these these interesting like there's there's a problem there's a fundamental problem with the App Store, the iOS App Store, in that. People are making good stuff that doesn't sell even at two or three dollars because people are so conditioned. The the mass part of the market is so conditioned that games should start free. And so I, work I from there. completely agree. It's great for developers. It's great for the surface their games that they're yeah. part of the bundle. It's great for them to get seeded and funded and and well, assuming curated. the rev share is appropriate. Sure, uh, but the question is, how is that going to convince Joe iOS gamer who just plays your four free iOS games mm-hmm. to pay? And let's say ten dollars a month for iOS or for this arcade. I, I mean, I have no idea. My guess is that with a billion people on the platform, they're looking at this and thinking, "Oh, we, we probably get, we get a million we could, people. We, if we get if we get a hundred million people, we've done really well." I don't think they're going to get a hundred million people. My, if they get twenty million people, they've done really well. If my, you get twenty million people. Paying that's more people than they have 
uh, ten bucks a month. The Xboxes. Yeah, but I mean, a billion people have phones, Norm. How many people? They know how many people play games on their phones. They know how much time you spend playing games on your phone. So they know how many people are going to be interested in this. Like this is a Jeremy, you're saying something. Yeah, you can go. Sorry, no, I'm good. That's good. I think it's (laughs) the problem is I like talking. My, did he say that on the show? No. Okay. Um, I I said nothing of the sort. My question is: There's already games you can buy. There's already games you can pay for. Long form games, short form games. But they're for pay, and they don't have in-app purchases, and they're not, you know, that kind of revenue model. And there's the free kind. I, what does this bring to the table? Why do I want to get 100 games for $10 rather than just a la carte pay for the games that I want to play that's probably going to end up being less than $10 a month anyway? Yep. And especially less than $120 a year or whatever they end up charging. And even if it was more cognitively, so Apple probably has the data. They know that the people who buy games, not just do free-to-play ones, maybe spend around or more than that or whatever. I spend 120 bucks a year on games Sure, right? You might be the target audience. iOS? Yeah, absolutely. But cognitively, that really is the point. People don't think about it that way. You buy a game like uh, Florence because there's a lot of buzz around it, people are talking about it, and it's totally worth the the 10 bucks it is to play that game. Yeah. But that's a, a... a moment that you want to be a part of. It's four hours, yeah. Exactly. And also, when people are hyped up about that experience, mm. that's a better way for them to get people to buy into buying games. It might not be a great business model because you're not bought into the $120 of recurring credit card payments a year. But that seems like a more a more realistic and pragmatic way to get people to discover content is to get people excited and talking about it than it is to, here's a nebulous bundle, and we may have five or however many great exclusive titles this I mean, year. I, I, I think that this is their, hey, we want to stop the race to the bottom that it has become iOS games. But can they? Did you see, there was Even, a talk, Alex Schwartz and somebody else did a talk at GDC that was, uh, they wanted to see how, how fast they could get to the bottom of the, of the, of the uh, Android Play Store. Yeah. And so they built a program that basically generated a slots machine game with some, you dumped in a certain amount of art and then it would just generate a slots machine game, mm-hmm. APK out of that, and they'd upload it to the store. And they did this for a little while, did a couple dozen of them or something, and suddenly realized that they were actually making money at it. And uh, it was super gross, but it works. And, and like that's what you're competing against. So they're finding ways to surface quality and still get people paid that doesn't involve them paying. That's fine. Apple said themselves in the announcement that it's hard to compete with free. And... I think that they're still going to battle with that. Well, like they're going to give you a saying. free month to try it, and then people get hooked. You know what? Where I would be most interested in a service like this is if it was specifically for age groups, if it was for 12 and under. Like if every single game on this service was E10 plus and lower, mm-hmm. I think that would be really compelling for as a parent. I could subscribe my kid to the service, and I could say they can only play games on this service or whatever. They could play every game in the yeah. service, 100 new games that they can play. I'm already paying that for SAG Mini probably. Um, you know, I would I would subscribe to Netflix just for the the um, the kids section of that. They're gonna bank on people feeling that they're missing out. Yeah, they're gonna they're I think oh, they're well. gonna have really they must have really high confidence in the games that they're developing or the partnerships they've made, but, so that even if they start off and only a hundred thousand people subscribe to this, yeah, you're gonna feel like you're missing out because you're not getting to play that new Nintendo game, whatever but, whatever part the rumor is a Sonic game, unless you sign up for a month. But games like games on the iPhone, games on the iPad even, they're a byproduct. They they exist in spite of those devices. Those devices never sh- were designed with games in mind. 
And yeah. Steve Jobs never intended to make games. But games work. There have been platforms. great games that have worked really because well. Because there's so many people that own them, there are some games that have worked well, really well. You know, Doodle Jump, uh, Angry Birds, there are games that have embraced the interface and, and made I think games they've out of them. what it means to play a game on those phones. A lot of these things could be like narrative experiences that are less twitchy and less... Or puzzle less, games. Le- or, or puzzle games, games exactly. Or, right? You know, do, do you do the crossword every day? I do the, I've done the crossword every day for 15 years, right? I... That that's a game that counts. That uh, works perfectly on my phone. Yeah, I think we'll see less of things that are more traditionally. They're not going to compete with here's our Angry Birds clone or here's what it is going to be a traditional game or something that competes with Switch or Xbox. I think they're going to play to the strengths of their hardware and and give you hopefully entertaining experiences. Well, that, that's that, that's as it always has been on iOS. Ideally, should be. ideally yes, yeah. yes. The, uh, the best and most noteworthy. Games like uh, what's that one? The the, the um, Fortnite Monument no, Monument Valley yeah. uh, have taken have have been untraditional games that take advantage of the platform. Yeah, yeah. I still feel like they exist in spite of the interfaces. And if, if this like it makes a lot more sense on a game console on a console that has a gamepad and is expressly made for playing games to have a game subscription service to go along with that. Yeah, I think I, I think you are dramatically underestimating the casual market as it exists on the. Well, on I think the does the casual market like want to play these long form, intensely well designed games. I don't think we're talking games? about long form, intensely well designed games. I think we're think, talking about stuff like Type Shift, Ridiculous Fishing, like little arcadey moment to moment. Yeah, hey, I have five minutes to kill. But, but I think that's what people. I mean, look, we don't know. I think the casual players are happy to play those for free and have them be ad support. I think there will be there will be a disconnect between the people who want to play those games and the people who are willing to pay. I don't. Some monthly fee. I don't them. think the ad supported business is very good. No. The other well, thing. Apple could also flex their arms and make it tougher for those businesses to work. I mean, that's, I think, I think, look, if Apple was going to do one thing to make iOS better, it would be to improve the quality, the overall quality of content in the iOS ecosystem. We are still in the top story. I know, I know. I know. And we're only through three. This is all boring, terrible stuff. Okay, here Let's goes go through the fourth it, pillar. Right. The last one it's uh, video, it's TV shows. The thing that I think anchored this whole thing they have their netflix competitor no well so what let's hear all the details when's it coming out what does it cost what's going to be on it what kind of content is there norm who knows what uh to be determined to be yet Sounds to be like announced. A great keynote so far so it's split between two two products one's called tv channels and this is just kind of a rebrand of their tv existing tv app yeah it basically takes all your a la carte subscriptions that you could have been doing on Apple TV and mm-hmm. iOS, like HBO, Showtime, mm-hmm. Start, and now puts them on one interface, and it is straight And we already had that with the TV app? Yes. Yeah, it, it's basically a rebrand and a new UI. Very confusing great. to see them pitch this and everything I already had. It's, hey. it's the exact same thing. Well, not everybody buys into the TV app. It's true. It's true. Uh, so that's called TV channels. But then Steven Spielberg. But then here's a trailer with Steven Spielberg. And then look, Steven Spielberg also comes on stage. TV Plus. Apple TV Plus. Okay. Is it a new Apple TV box? No. Is it TV Actually, that's they, better they, they in They rebranded the old Apple TV box. Now it's Apple TV HD. It's a service. Everything is a service. Okay. What does the service do? Will it change the oil in my car? If I have a chip in my windshield, will it fix that? Does it do dry cleaning for me? Will it watch the TV and summarize it for me so I don't have to? Nope. F- functionality, feature-wise, it is content. You press play and you watch. But the type of content and the people they've partnered with could be interesting. So, for example, Steven Spielberg, who okay. has been anti-Netflix, He's a but big, now a big in shareholder the, in, in Apple, as I understand it, pocket of Big Apple. Yeah. Interesting. Do you, do you remember Amazing Stories? Yeah, he's redoing it. He's doing I've it heard, again. I've heard that. He's it's back. TV. Like he's not doing movies. Now. 
So everyone has their their genre anthology series, and I guess Steven Spielberg has his. Well, David Fincher just had his, so it's, he's due, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Peele has Twilight Zone coming yeah. up, which you can then Pretty subscribe to. That. CBS All Access as a part of Apple TV channels. Whatever. Uh, let's list some of the celebrities. Oprah's going to have a show. Kumail's going to have a show. Well, Oprah's got two documentaries. Two, oh, sorry, two documentaries. Uh, Aquaman's got a show. Jason Moa. Chris Evans has got a show. Uh, Jennifer Aniston. Steve Carell. Um, these Reese all seem like people who used to be a lot bigger than they are right now. Those three people are on the same show, though. Oh, oh. It's, it's a morning show. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Behind the scenes it's of like a morning a podcast show. podcast is what you're saying. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I so don't Apple TV is inventing podcasts They're on spending TV. a lot of money to make TV shows. And what okay. I think is interesting about this is that unlike Amazon, HBO, Netflix, they don't appear to have a back catalog of movies and successful series that, they, no. that is like the foundation. You know, they maybe there's something there that just quantity you would pay for to have access to. Huh. They just have these lines of new exclusive original content. It's like, if, would you subscribe to HBO if it was just Game of Thrones, The Sopranos, and, and you know, uh, no, Westworld? probably not. I'm probably okay. I don't know, because that's, that's really all I'm watching on HBO, but it doesn't seem like it has the same value add. I'll be curious to see um, if there is any additional content. Like, Disney's gonna offer their service, but of course they've got their decades yeah, like if they put a trove of, look, of Disney channels, I would pay for all, access to all of the Disney shorts from the '40s, '50s, and '60s. Yeah. Right, like that's ten bucks a month for me. I my so my question is what what was the exciting thing here? Well, there's nothing. Hey, specific. you can get a new credit card. Oh, of the whole announcement. Yeah, or just Apple Plus. Was there anything was exciting here? Did people like? Did people seem enthused? Look. On on all honest honesty, the Oprah stuff looks really good. Okay. Yeah, you should watch her part. Her her she gets up at the end. She's the one more thing. Like Tim Cook was wrapping up the whole event. He says we have one more person, and it went black, and there's like this whole text in. Oprah's show's been off the air for ten years now. Less than that, right? I don't know. It it's like a but long she's time. not. She's like she is interested in doing um interviews, but it doesn't sound like she's going to be doing the same kind of show. But the two documentaries she has in the works are about uh, you know workplace um, inequalities and um, depression and anxiety. And so I should sign up for this for a month, watch <laughs> a bunch of shit, and then turn it off. They look really good. Like she's taken some interesting stances on some issues. But did, you're right. I don't know. Did they talk about the Mac keyboard sucking still? Okay. The, yeah. No. Didn't get into that. All right. Should we? Move what on? else we got? Can we go? Please. Yeah. Culture. You guys talk about uh, James Gunn coming back? I don't know, man. James Gunn's coming back to Guardians of the Galaxy 3. It's very exciting. He's going to do after <laughs> Suicide Squad 2, which is a reboot of that series as well. There you go. There very you good. go. The Suicide Squad, first of all. The, yeah. And that's a reboot. It's the Ryan Davis reboot. And uh, Su- uh, Guardians 3, uh, presumably his old script. Probably won't see that for a couple of years. I think. Graduate- phase 6 now. Yeah, yeah. We pushed it back a little bit. Uh, the second second era. Uh, yeah, well, we're all very excited about that. Uh, if you like watching movies in theaters, Alamo Drafthouse Cinema, famous for its uh, series of theaters in the Austin, Texas area, and yeah. also their uh, poster arm, Mondo News, uh, Mondo Tees. Uh, they also have a theater here in San Francisco. They are also getting into the uh, subscription. subscription service. <laughs> you love the Fuck subscription me. service. For AMC. Yeah, I mean, you... I subscribe. You, you take a lot of advantage of that. I do. It's, uh, 23 bucks a month, so and this- I... Watch a lot of movies. The subscription price will uh, vary based on location, but they're th- saying around twenty dollars a month 
and you know it's all you can eat uh that's really all you can eat too? well now that i shouldn't have said that <laughs> i because wish it was oh god i need <laughs> so many pickles just keep the pickles coming that's funny because it's a movie theater that serves food give but, me the fried pickles and the problem i have with this theater is it's a movie theater that serves food it's very uh, expensive food and, and it's not also- very good and there's people walking in front of you the whole time you're watching the film pretending that they're trying to be discreet. Like, they have lights that you can put your menu under and tell them yeah. what you want. There's no talking, but there's certainly is walking food in front of me all damn movie. Wow. It tur- turns out the time they collect your credit cards is also part of the, the best like part the, of the movie, the, too. It's the end of the second act, usually. I don't see why people like this so much. Uh, people like it because it's not just for new release movies, but also for... Cl- uh, yeah. Like, Cult movies and yeah, no, sure okay. had a had a screening of uh, Ghostbusters the other day, didn't he? Does he yeah, he no, does, that's, he does that's a series there. Yeah, I think it's there are certain markets that's going to play well, and obviously you have to have a Alamo Draft House nearby for this to to work. But even in San Francisco, it's in, you know not necessarily the easiest location to get to for a lot of people. But good luck to them. I think uh, anything that gets people into theaters, into seats, and AMC mm-hmm. definitely has proven, and MoviePass even has proven that there, these kind of subscription services work and encourage people to go to movies and the cinema. I think that is uh, something to be encouraged. Yeah. I'll, right. I'll tell you, during GDC, it was nice. I had a, a, a two-hour break at one point, and I was just like, I'm going to go watch Alita Battle Angel. And I and went and watched Alita Battle Angel. Fantastic. Yeah, it was great. Great. It was that's, after that's, GDC closed and before the party started. And it really, it really depends on location. Like, traveling yeah. on last week, not a lot of AMC theaters no, close to where I was, no. unable to use the movie pass. Yeah. Aww. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, Summer might be a great time for these services to pop up and consider getting a subscription pass to watch movies in theaters because there are a lot of movies. And the biggest one this year probably will be Avengers Endgame. Not only because it's the culmination of the Infinity Saga, that's what Kevin Feige is calling the first 23 films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And the culmination of Kishore's entire life. That's right. But also because it, it will be a three-hour long experience three hours and two minutes no intermission is that official it is official three hours so here's yeah. my question Jeez. How, what do you think it's too late for them to say you know what we should we should make this two two hour movies we're going to do one now and one at christmas time it's too late yeah <sighs> missed opportunity well they already split it up they right? got a harry potter part seven to this wasn't the avengers four supposed to just be one film originally and then they split it up into these avengers two movies? three yeah whatever that's what this one is it was don't, I think you're right. Way, yeah. way, way yeah. back. Yeah. And now it's like five hours. At yeah. least five and a half hours. It's, it's, a, it's almost reaching Peter Jackson levels. Three hours and two minutes. I think people are, are happy for that. Fans of the MCU are happy. And I'm glad that Disney didn't try to cut it back to get more people in seats because people are going to get in the seats anyway. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Does it mean fewer show times? It That's, does. I probably, but you know what? They'll just be in more theaters. They'll just be in more at screens. 9 o'clock in the morning. And show longer, maybe? Yeah. The, the, suck the, all the, the cinema chains May. are incentivized to show this on as many screens as possible because yeah. people are going to get in those seats that opening weekend. There's mm. also a collection of Avengers Endgame posters that just came out divided in two separate categories. People who are dead and people who aren't dead. There you go. And it revealed two things. Yeah. I think people who follow the news closely and all the rumors probably knew this. One, Shuri got dusted. Oh, really? Shiri got dusted. Who's Shiri? Uh, Black, Black Panther's, Panther's sister. sister. Hmm. Also, oh, Black the, Panther's the, the smartest person on Earth. The engineer. In the, fi- in the fiction, I believe. Yeah. Shiri got dusted, was not shown on screen, had been confirmed or rumored. Uh, and also, Valkyrie did not get dusted, 
Ooh. And we'll be back. Did, so the problem game. the problem with these posters is people immediately started photoshopping other shit into them, so I couldn't tell which was real and which wasn't. Like I saw one with John Wick the other day, and I'm pretty sure that that wasn't real because I don't think he got dusted. You don't know. And that. also, I don't think he's in the MCU. But you can't tell because the posters look the Photoshop look pretty good. Yeah. Um, so expect to see these posters in your local theaters, and they're really not showing that much more. The final trailer what came out. I mean, the movie's coming out in like two months. It was. It was funny. There wasn't. A, was there a trailer for that before Captain uh, Captain Marvel? I don't no. think there was. No. I like. I saw Dark Phoenix a million times in the last couple of weeks. That trailer a million times. But the dusted guys are black and white. The dusted guys are black and white. Yeah. Right. Okay. They will be avenged. Wait Those a minute. To be he wasn't dusted. He was murdered. Yeah, they're not. They're some of them. Like you know, Vision wasn't dusted. He was right. also just murdered. Yeah, People to be avenged. Stone ripped out of his face. Yeah. Spoilers. Rocket looks very sad. <laughs> yeah. Well, Rocket is sad. He's a dead raccoon. Rabbit. He's not dead. He's one of the surviving ones. Rocket got dusted. No, he didn't. No, dude. He's all in, he's all the Guardians Groot, got dusted. He's been in the trailer for the next movie. Nebula yeah. and Rocket are the surviving members. Oh right. Even I know this. Yeah. <laughs> Look at the end of that one. I really have to go to the bathroom. Calm explaining <laughs> on the podcast. Speaking of uh, comic universes and consolidation of powers, yeah. Infinity Stones and all, Disney has completed their acquisition of 20th Century Fox. Oh, all right. I'm really excited for Kingdom Hearts 4 to include Iron Man and Wolverine. Now, uh, for fans of Fox's superhero films, Deadpool will... Be spared, and we'll presumably see a Deadpool three. It'll kind of it makes sense. It's a character that can exist in his own thing, break the fourth wall. Doesn't need to be in the MCU, really. I bet it'll he'll reference it though. He could totally he has already, right? Does that does that mean he won't be on the Disney thing since it's not going to have any R rated stuff on the Disney app? I don't know. That's a good question. App? Oh, right, streaming service, streaming service, right. And then uh, what leaves in question are things like. Uh, the they filmed an X Men movie already. Phoenix Dark Phoenix comes out, but then they filmed a New Mutants movie. What really? Yeah, they they filmed it last year, and they're just waiting for reshoots. And the actors like, we don't know if this movie ever is going to come out. Disney might just say, let's just scrap it. Yeah, they spent a bunch of money. They filming spent a it. couple hundred million dollars making a movie that they're going to just leave. well, probably not that much. Probably spent like fifty million. Probably there was another wow. like seventy million in post production. They haven't done any of the marketing for it, but they could just write it off. I mean, they they spent billions buying Fox, so. Who knows, right? Uh, new movies, trailers. You got Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. This is Quentin Tarantino's ninth film. How many is he contracted to do? Do you know? I don't think he's contracted. He just keeps making movies. That's it? It's like when he wants. When, when he, he dies. Wants. Yes. He's going to make movies until he dies. They, but the marketing he is such. has said that's it. Like he said after Kill Bill, like I wasn't going to do anymore. Yeah, but then he couldn't. He couldn't. He can't. Inglorious he, Bastards. He has to keep making. I love Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, it's really good. That one, uh, this is, of course, uh, related to the Manson family murders, Sharon Tate. Oh, Although, really? Yeah. This uh, is a real story? Well, I bet it will be tangentially. We don't know, right? They don't even show any of that in the trailer. Uh, but um, what's her name? Uh, Harley Quinn, Itanya. Um, yeah, right. Um, the Australian woman. Oh, my God. 10%. Yeah. Parent she's brain. got blonde hair. Yeah, we all know who you She mean. plays Sharon Tate. Mm-hmm. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio oh. is in it. Um, oh my God! Why don't uh, and um, I'll, I'll look it up for you. Now. Brad think, Pitt is also in it. I think I did a good job describing her. How many blonde people could there be in Australia? <laughs> <laughs> this is bad. This is bad. The Harley Quinn actress is Margot Robbie. Margot yeah, Robbie. Thank that's you. It. Thank that's you. It. She's very talented. Um, she has her own poster for this. 
The posters are not great. So Bruce Lee's in the trailer. The trailer is great, man. Quentin can cut a trailer. Did he cut it? I don't know if he cuts his trailer. Oh, dude, I, I would, bet he does. I would bet anything he does. Yeah, I, I'm look. I'm always down for a new Quentin Tarantino movie. I'm, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> okay. This one didn't. This one didn't grab me. You'll so, be you'll be at some convention looking for two hours to kill. Yeah, and you'll go watch it. This Brad is Pitt first... does not play Robert Redford. Okay, that's just good. wanted to clear that up. That's good. That 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 poster looked real photoshopped. Yeah. You watch the trailer? Um, well, I, I don't yeah. really watch, watch trailers. Trailer. I, don't I think this is a, a movie that I don't need to watch any more trailers for. Yeah, I'm yeah. good. I mean, I'm right, good. I'm, I'm, that's, I'm sold. That's a good I'm strategy. Bill and Ted Three announce they're shooting coming out next year. Directed by Quentin Tarantino. No, Alex Winter. Keanu Reeves published uh, posted a video showing their excitement. Keanu Reeves could be it could not be more in in opposition of his character in contrast to his character in John Wick. You're talking about oh yeah sure right it's it's he is so Ted <laughs> I don't know. yeah Ted Theodore yeah, Ted, Logan yeah there we go Ted Theodore Logan uh, Bill S. Preston Esquire Esquire That's I I can't share this and I apologize but a friend of a friend was on a flight that had to make an emergency landing from LAX to someplace and they landed in the middle of nowhere and Keanu was on the flight. So everybody took pictures with oh. Keanu at the Blimpies oh, no. while they were waiting for the next plane to come to take them away from Kansas or wherever they well, were. Apparently he's a super nice dude. He seemed to, yeah, the report was very chill. Likes a sub. Poor guy. He doesn't look unhappy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I want Keanu to be happy, Jeremy, more than anybody else. I do too. So don't ask him to stand in Blimpies and take a photo with the whole plane. Well, I think they were hanging out. I think they didn't have oh, okay. a whole lot of choice. This was the story, as I was told. Are you excited for Bill and Ted three? I, I mean, Bill and Ted one was you great. Know, Bill and Ted. You 2, think yeah. they're gonna? Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. They're gonna CGI Rufus. Oh no! I hope not. Please don't do that. I, I, I hope, mean, I hope they pay him respect. I hope they like cast Meryl Streep as as Rufus reincarnated or something really silly. I love their fake version. I mean, it was such a early '90s, late '80s. Like fake utopia parody, almost the, in like Demolition Man, like yeah. their their fake future. Yeah, uh, and I hope they really embrace that visual style. Like they exist in a parallel universe, they, right? Where yeah. like it's a time travel movie where and, hair metal never died. Did they and, go in the future in the second one? Yeah, yes, a little bit. Uh, yeah, it started off that. with a uh, Rufus teaching class. Yeah, and then being huh. a, and attacked. I I like I have to assume that if it is. Old Bill and Ted in our timeline, something went really wrong with the Wild Stallion somewhere along the way. <laughs> right? In other casting news, William Sadler, who played Death yep. in Bill and Ted 2, yeah. is coming back. Oh, that's good. Okay. So Death will be a character. I'll just, I'm curious to see if they can embody those characters anymore. We'll see. I, I believe in Keanu. Well, the other guy less so. Maybe let us kill him off in the first like two minutes. Okay. Uh, all right, one last bit of pop culture news, but this is going to be a little bit of a longer discussion. People have tweeted at us. They've said you have to watch this. We're, of course, talking about Love, Death, and Robots, mm -hmm. the anthology series on Netflix produced by David Fincher and Tim Miller. And Will and I have seen all of it. I watched two of them. Which two did you watch? Yeah, and then I said the first two. Which two? And then you said, what two is that? And I was informed that... Everybody got a different shuffling of the mo of the uh, series. There were, I think, four different layouts, uh, and you got them. They said randomly, 
So not based on your preferences, but I don't know if I believe that. I, I think it's random. I mean, there are 18 of these shorts. Yes. And for Netflix, what they want to do is get people to watch all 18. So obviously, it's tough if you watch one and aren't into it for you to care about jumping to the bottom and seeing the rest. Because I do think, at least in the order I watch, the better ones were in the second half of the 18. Uh-huh. And the first ones that I watched were the far and away, the, like to the point that I had people not said, hey, you should watch these. I would have turned it off after watching the first two. So uh, it, it, it's completely within – it makes it tough to talk about them, but also maybe should we just kind of know uh, – we can describe the episodes. I would say there are five that are really good. And all the right. animation's really inter- – like across the board, the animation is really interesting. But they're all say. different teams. They're all different teams. It's an anthology, so it's different styles of animation. It is uh, – uh, imagine David Fincher said, hey, I want to remake Heavy Metal, but I can't get the Heavy Metal license. That is what I – And that's what he did. It is literally what happened. That is what happened, yes. This They were originally developing this anthology series to be a revival of Heavy Metal, the magazine. Yes. And they couldn't – the rights didn't work out, so Netflix bought it up, and it's called Love, Death, and Robots. Uh, Tim Miller, of course, owns and runs uh, Blur Studios, the animation company, uh, effects company. They did all the effects work for Deadpool 1, and that's why Tim Miller directed Deadpool 1. And the effects, the, uh, the, uh, the test footage came out of that. So there's some photoreal stuff. There's some stylized stuff. A lot of these, I want to say 16 of these stories were stories that were taken from past science fiction stories. Which, uh, short they, form anthologies, stuff like in that. In other yeah. anthologies, published online. Uh, they bought the rights up. Uh, had a scriptwriter adapt them for 10 to 16 minute long short stories and then kind of divvied up between different um, production teams and directors. Now, because this was originally a heavy metal, if not directly inspired or branded thing, uh, they went the heavy metal route in terms of how explicit some of these stories were. So I was going to say... When you think heavy metal, mm-hmm. I watched heavy metal on Laserdisc when I was in college. I think that was my first. I mean, no, so there's the magazine, the, 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 the magazine. Right? Never had, never saw the magazine. But the magazine, I think, is what this was more inspired by. What? The magazine was a collection of no. comics I and think stories. Right. What I said is right. The movie is very much like this. Like yeah. it's different animators and it's different. You know, they all kind of tie. But it's kind of a four out of the magazine, but not really. So, so for me, heavy metal means loud rock and roll music. Weird sexualized violence and crazy experimental a- animation on top of science fiction and fantasy stories. And for me, heavy metal means anthology science fiction stories in magazine format with comics that are basically rated R or if not higher. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and kind of pulpy, pulpy science fiction stories with far out aesthetics. Okay. So they got like 60% of that. And I think they ditched the one of the good things and kept one of the bad things would be what I said what is my overall take on this. So they kept the creepy sexualized violence and they got rid of the loud rock and roll music, which was kind of a bummer because that was a cool part of the whole thing. Anyway, uh, which ones did you like, Norm? Well, we're, if you haven't seen them, yeah. we're not going to go through every single episode in spoilerific detail, but I do want to call out some notable episodes. Yeah. The f- you saw the fir- the ones we can we talk. Sunny's Edge was my Sunny's first. Edge was the first one. That, I presumably I was the first one. The two I don't know monsters what? fighting each other. Yes, dog yeah. fights. Yeah. yeah, dog fights with uh, genetically engineered creatures. Like mind control stuff. Yeah. I thought that was one of the worst ones. I so <laughs> so I I yeah no that's right. Okay, the, I'm with you. 
the first I think the two, animation was really interesting. Like it was a really interesting animation style. It's a good science fiction story, and then they fucked it up with yep. a bunch of weird stuff at the end. Yes. I, I didn't even think the animation was that great. I thought the humans was right in deep in the uncanny valley. I thought the creature stuff was good, but it was all fell into like video game cinematic territory, which a lot of these do fall into that. And the big idea story they had at the end was fine. The big twist. The big the big twist. Yeah. There are two of them. Uh, but not enough to carry the whole no. story. I felt like the animation was forgivable because, and I didn't like it any more than you guys did, but I felt like the style, while it had that uncanny thing, it was forgivable because you don't get movie quality CG for on a TV series like this on the on their budget. Well, like, I, I thought that the setting, like I thought the weird cyberpunk universe was really interesting. Like yeah. I want more of that universe, but, but yeah, anyway. So there are, because you haven't seen there are animation styles and there are photorealistic styles later on in the series that I think far surpassed That's true. this one. Okay. On these budgets. So I, this it's yeah. a reason to watch it if to appreciate some of the, the, the technical like, achievements. Just, just as a showcase for novel animation, this mm-hmm. is the most interesting thing I've seen in years. Yeah. Like it's really, really neat. My, Three Robots. This, that was the, my second one. Three Robots was the John Scalzi one. So we're all in the same order. I didn't like uh, that one very much either. Oh, I thought that one was really funny. I mean, I, I mean maybe it was... I don't know. I just didn't find it that funny. It's a hard swing after rapey violence yeah. at the end of the first one. That's well, true. third one has a lot of rapey violence but as the, well. But the second one is definitely not all roses either. There's like people who are hanging, who have hung themselves, you know, decades ago, hanging, there are, hanging there are in a the lot background. There are a lot it, of but that. it's it, it's it's grim. I found it to be very darkly funny, like darkly comedic, and I loved the interplay between the three different robots. Like the the design of those three robots was great. There was like the Tars, Stars, Interstellar style robot. There was the little baby monitor robot, and then there was like the normal murder, death, kill humanoid yeah. robot. I thought it was really good. I really enjoyed it. The Witness is the third one. This one is kind of a be watched by anyone. It was horrible. I mean, the visual style I thought was fantastic in this one, it's not just, photoreal. It's, it's like weird kind of, rotoscopes with with some distortion. And I like the look of it, but the story yeah. I thought was meh, and of course a lot of that kind of violence, unnecessary, gratuitous, not only nudity but sexual violence in this one I thought was unnecessary. Uh, Suits was one of my favorites. I thought Fourth Suits one. was amazing. This is, I'll describe it to you, Jeremy, so I'm going to pitch it to you uh, to curate a list of ones you should watch. This one, not photoreal, more of a really painterly style, but the story is basically a quiet place with Pacific Rim. Farmers. I, I, w- I was going to say Starcraft 2 opening, opening cutscene. Star, uh, or Starcraft 1 opening cutscene. Who defend themselves against in, uh, insect invaders yeah. in mechs that they've built. Home, homemade mechs. Sounds good. And and also this one. one they do the the Spider Man animating on the twos thing which is which makes it look fucking awesome. Uh, I think this was the best animation in the series, and that was Blur Studios. Uh, number five, Sucker of Souls. This one was the first one that was more traditionally animated. It was traditionally animated, no oh, CG. Really? It was hand hand drawn animation, and this one was a a more a uh, old school adventurer action scene, a a, a cave explorer uh, archaeologist finds a tomb. Dracula's in there. There's a lot big chase scene. And it's funny, uh, and um, I like anything that's traditionally animated. And this one looked really good. This one was uh, middle of the pack for me, but I thought the animation was lovely. Uh, next one, When the Yogurt Took Over. Another Scalzi story. This one uh, narrated by Brain from Pinky and the Brain. And it is a very short kind of history, historical uh, narration of what how yogurt took over the world. So very science fiction, a big idea, um, very I- funny. Really enjoyed it. I thought I thought this is one of my favorites, and I love the art style on the humans in this world. It's very. Have you ever seen that Disney inner working short that played before, maybe Wreck It Ralph or or? Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. It's like it's it's very very much like that. It's very good. Yeah. Very pop pop art. Yeah. Uh, number seven, Beyond the Aquila Rift. Another this one extremely photoreal. Some of the graphics are amazing. This reminded Didn't me like of Square Enix stuff. Yeah. It, this was like almost like Final Fantasy kind of. It's a it's a story that's been told a million times. It was boring. Very it's, yeah. Like it's just I I like the twist at the end was okay. Yeah. This one was middle of the pack for like low middle of the pack for me. Number eight, super interesting one, very problematic, called Good Hunting. Who? Also traditionally animated. This one was written by Ken Liu, based oh. on the story by Ken Liu. And his whole take, he's the one who adapted Three Body Problem, yeah. a science fiction in his own science fiction author in his own right. And this one was a um, fantasy inspired Chinese uh, swords uh, and sandals epic. Wushu story combined mm-hmm. with a steampunk story in two halves. And then if you read the the text of his short story, he wanted to tell, could he tell a science fiction story that was literally one half was it was a Wushu fantasy and one half it was a steampunk fantasy. When you say Wushu fantasy, you mean like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon exactly. is the most so famous example. First half Crouching experience. Tiger, second half... Um, uh, it's about the death Boy. of magic in your world. In kind the of, world. yeah. yeah. It, I, like, I thought it was interesting. It's weird sexualized violence all the way through though. Yep. Yep, problematic that way. Number nine, Wait, the are you dump. Gonna, are you going to do summaries of every one of these? Yes. We're halfway done. People <laughs> want to know our opinions, Jeremy, even though you have not shared them. I don't know. All right. The dump. <laughs> Didn't like it. I thought this one was great. I thought this was really funny. I thought the characters were really funny. There's a lot of old guy dong in it, which was hilarious. And Will liked it. I thought it was good. I yeah. thought it was really funny. Number 10, Shapeshifters. Another photo real one, Werewolves in the Military. Yeah. This one was yeah. solidly mad. Video game CG. Yeah. Video game cutscene. This looked like a shitty cutscene. Yeah. 11, Sorry. Helping Hand. This one, photoreal, uh, short space, Really uncanny valley story. for me. Yes, very uncanny valley, but the story I felt was perfect for what they were trying to go for with a kind of um, a hard R take, a brutal take on what the gravity story. An astronaut yeah. trapped in space. It's kind of a this was kind of a Twilight Zone, like in a lot of like this could have been a Twilight Zone very easily. Yeah. It was good. It was creepy, but like middle of the pack for me. Fish Knight, next one. This, this one was one, lovely. Kind of a cell shaded CG animation, uh, very reminiscent of a little bit of uh, kind of Ponyo-y in in ways. the Spider Verse. Uh, but the story, yes, very Ponyo-y. It's about the ghosts of creatures who lived millions of years ago on Earth. Very, I love this one. I thought the animation. I thought this one was, really it, it was, it was very uh, waking life. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, Lucky 13. This is one of my favorites. Yes. Uh, this one, a photo reel about a relationship a pilot has with a bad luck um, spaceship or a, a fighter plane. This, it's just, this is just a war story that's told and it has an interest. It, it's good. It's worth yeah. watching. My favorite one is the second one, Zima Blue. Really? This and is I, your favorite? I, I think it's my favorite. So this yeah. this had you read the short story that this is based on? I had not. So this the thing that was interesting to me is that I don't want to spoil anything, so I won't say anything. But the short this the the short omits what I would have considered a really crucial plot point from the short story. I think it was in one of those one of those uh, like the fifteen best anthology final uh, fiction and fantasy of the year things a few years ago. And um, like I thought the animation was lovely. I thought the story was really good. I think it was well told, but I feel like it fell short of it, the original it, source it, material. It missed the thing that made the original source material good for me. Got it. it. If anything, it will encourage me to read the original source material, yeah. which I will be happy highly encouraged to do. Uh, Blind Spot. This one's basically uh, robots, Fast and Furious heist. Yeah, this is fun. solo. This is the solo heist. Yeah, it's it's okay. It was fine. Uh, the s- number sixteen. This was a very traditional heavy metal short. Yes. Worth, I yeah, thought. yeah. This one could have used the music. Yeah. This one music would have helped. Uh, Ice Age. 
directed by Tim Miller. This one has live action. Yeah, this has Topher Grace and um, Le- Mary Elizabeth uh, Winstead. Yeah. As two f- t- uh, married couple who moves into a new home, opens their freezer, and finds a civilization leaving their freezer. It's classic. basically that Futurama episode. And it's like Bender. a classic, classic science fiction trope of you know tiny people, uh, you are their god. But the original short story was based on, the whole idea was that these were two very apathetic people. So they're more just bemused by this civilization living there and, and, and that is where the humor from this short comes from. In I like it. In their moldy food. Yes, in their, exactly. Uh, and then um, 17... Defrost your freezer, people. That's the lesson. Alternate histories. This one was another Scalzi story, kind of a, a very uh, perverse take on, um, on uh, alternate histories and different ways Hitler can die. I thought this one was good. It, it, it very, very much felt like a, doc, like a pitch. Yeah. Like, a, hey, you want to sign up for our service? We got a good service for you. You can see what it's like to do blah, blah, blah. Exactly. Uh, and then the last one I thought was very generic: war, CG, video game cutscene, war movie, World I fell War Two. Watching this one twice. Yeah, Russians fighting aliens. Great, yeah. cool. Okay. Yeah. So I'd say five good ones, maybe yeah, out of five, out of eighteen. Good ones. If you're picking some, if five you're just picking ones. ones to watch, watch Three Robots, Suits, um, maybe Sucker of Souls, Yogurt, The Dump, Fish Night. Lucky thirteen and Zima Blue, I would I would say yeah that's a good list of ones yeah. to watch. Yeah, Jeremy got homework. All right, don't watch The Witness; it sucks ass. Uh, Video that game's good. Does it for our pop culture segment? And before we move on to our next segment, I want to thank the sponsor that makes this episode possible, and that is Triple Byte. Because applying to programming jobs sucks. You have to put in the right keywords in your resume. You spend hours and hours on phone screens and take-home projects, and that's assuming the company even responds to your application. Well, if you're a software engineer, TripleByte can help. They work with over 400 top tech companies, like big names, like Dropbox and Adobe, to exciting startups. You do one brief online interview with them, and if you do well, you get to go straight to final interviews with companies on their platform. It's like the common app for software engineers. TripleByte does not look at your resume or where you went to school. All they care about is if you can code. Good for people who didn't do so well in school because it's all about what you did after and how skilled you are. Well, apply now at triplebyte.com slash test. That's triplebyte, B-Y-T-E, byte as in eight bits. And as a special offer for listeners of this show, if you take an offer job offer through TripleByte, they'll offer you a $1,000 signing bonus. So check it out. That's triplebyte.com slash test. And thank them for sponsoring this week's episode. Tech news is going to be really short this week because a lot of that was kind of split through our Apple news coverage. And also we'll have some VR talk at the end. Uh, But something that was announced at GDC that we didn't get a chance to discuss last week was Google's big gaming announcement, Stadia. Who needs a console when you have the internet? People have been trying to do this for years. When you are the internet. This when, you, is... when you have the backbone at your disposal. So did you guys try the test when they tested this last year? I played it at GDC. But they had a server running locally at GDC. Did you try it when it was on the internet last year? Well, they year? were trying this with Assassin's Creed as a free thing. Yeah. Through browsers for uh, you had to sign up last for year. And it worked well. It worked really well. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have fibers. The, so the it's thing tough is, to say. Assassin's Creed is a good use for it because the way that game controls is very sluggish and floaty. laggy. Yeah, yeah. very floaty. 
So you, it's not a twitchy game. Like I'd like to see people play Robotron on Stadia. So uh, the thing, the, so it was interesting watching people react. So the, it's a streaming game service. People they run the games on the cloud in on AMD hardware in racks. Uh, on edge networks, on edge data centers around the around the world, presumably yeah. uh, only in the U.S. I think right now. The thing I heard, I, I mean, I I cross a bunch of different communities. The like the normal the people that play games were all like, oh, this is kind of cool. Maybe I can play games that don't work on my console. Yada yeah. yada. The developers were like, oh hell yeah, uh, we can sell our big AAA games to a billion people instead of a few hundred million. That sounds great. Um, the the interesting thing that those folks said is that. The amount of latency that they had to adjust for when we moved from CRTs to L to bad LCDs in the early days of flat screen TVs yep. is probably more than you'll have to deal with for the latency, uh, the input latency on this. But for people who, a lot of people who care about, who for notice that bad latency on those LCDs, this isn't going to help them. Well, so, but the point is, Robotron is probably never going to work on this, right? That's, that's... That's a game that requires you to be playing on a CRT directly in front of you with immediate immediate Twitch controls because it's really unforgiving. I think probably a lot of shooters maybe no, maybe won't work as well, and definitely things like fighting games where you know frame accurate uh, re re rendering is is important. Like Street Fighter, Street Fighter, yeah, yeah. Uh, Street Fighter. I, I mean, any really any fighting game. The the thing that's interesting though is when you're talking about playing like a multiplayer shooter or something like that. If the data centers are hosting the servers and hosting the rendering clients, the latency from the rendering client to the server is going to be really low, and all that latency is going to go back on your on your video end. So you could end up being about the same, but it remains to be seen. Id Software was an early adopter, well, early partner with this, and apparently Google went to them and they demoed it for them, and it was like, nah, I don't think that's working quite so well. And then Google came back six months later, and it was dramatically better. And it, they said it was like the difference between having game mode turned on in your TV or not, which yeah. is not unlike the latency you're talking about. And they were quite impressed, and then they they went forward with it, and they say it's, it's gotten even better now. Um, I don't know. It's it's an interesting idea that for that, the people who on the on the user side have good internet connections too. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was concerned about the video quality because it is being compressed. These are not real time graphics, people. These are this is a video stream that you are getting from Google. So yeah, did you try it on the floor? Yeah. So I looked at it and I got up real close and I kind of analyzed the video and they're doing some really interesting things. I mean, this is a next level codec that they're using. Like it's it's really crisp everywhere, but where there's motion. You know, it's like that that MPEG style motion vector stuff that the, where mm -hmm. they do you know chunkiness. Yeah, you know, compression across yeah. time. I mean, the things that are moving have a blurriness around them that's interesting, but everything else is super sharp. It's huh. almost too sharp, is what I like. Like, I went back and loaded up Assassin's Creed Odyssey when I got home, just so I kind of remember. And it it looks. I mean, of course, I'm playing on a 4K monitor, but it looks really. It looks almost like you have edge enhancement yeah. on on like an old laser disc or something like it, that. Maybe the monitors had it, which is possible. Like a yeah, post process thing. But yeah. it was. Uh, it's it's definitely intriguing. I think for a lot of games, it'll work just fine. Um, you know, I always thought that like a game like World of Warcraft would work fine, like on something like this, because it's like it's not about Twitch reaction time necessarily. Yeah. It's just about hitting your combos in the right you know order and getting in the right spot and just having your guy attack. Well, and and I mean, I think that's the I think that's the point, right? I don't think we're gonna be playing Street Fighter on this thing, but I think that like if my mom could play Assassin's Creed Origins, she yeah. totally would do that. What I the most interesting thing to me about this is the gamepad. Like that, no I, one. I, let's talk about the hardware. Did, did, they, did you get hands on with it? No, but you, no one else has done this before. So there is no physical console because it is just one one hundred percent cloud based, and on the client side, it is presumably just an app on your phone. 
it is a web browser. Chromecast or Ultra. Or it is Chromecast Ultra. Yeah. But and go ahead. So there is a, a controller, and that itself just pairs with the Chromecast. No, it no. connects directly to Google. Oh, it is. It the, connects to the internet. It is. Okay, so the, sorry. The controller goes up to the cloud, yeah. but your Chromecast picks up your vehicle, so they're right. paired with an identifier. So, so it's like the it's the fastest route of controls to a game, but they're both still gated kind of, by your really. your internet connection and speed of light. And yeah, sure, yeah, and route number of routers. But they think that that the difference between like the Bluetooth connection or whatever wireless connection between the controller, a console, the processing of that signal and then sending it, like that w that's noticeable latency. I no, mean, I think it's that they want you to be able to do it without having to have, but like the Chromecast isn't set up to have a direct connections to stuff. Like there's no remote for the Chromecast. And so it's not even latency. I would bet it play. is partly latency. I mean, yeah. They're like measuring microseconds. Sure. They want to get it down. It's for versatility. Yeah. Yeah. The the thing that's interesting, like I, I'm really interested in this because the other thing that they're doing that nobody else has done one of these streaming services is big big enough to pull off is they're, they're, they're bringing teams on to build custom games for the platform. So presumably, like they demoed save states, that sharing save states. So like if you're playing Dark Souls or something – and you're streaming on YouTube, then the people who are watching will be able to hit the button, fire up Dark Souls at exactly that point when they're like, hey, I could do this better than you, you should. I thought that was interesting. That stuff's neat. From this it article, I deduce, I, I learned that you have to recompile the game for this platform. Yeah, this has to be built for the platform. Yeah. So the, the thing that's interesting to me, though, is that when people start building games that are designed to run away from you and start building like multiplayer modes and stuff like that that are designed around that, I think you'll see all sorts of weird, interesting uh, interesting things that are possible. So 100% no downloads. No downloads. Right. Developers who may have to recompile are encouraged to tax Google's um, com computational system. They've partnered with AMD and Intel on the on the server side, on the farm side. So like, like Unreal, in the, id, give us your most computationally heavy game mm -hmm. and we will run it smoothly at 4K 60, 60 hertz um, and pipe that with potentially 8K 120 FPS in the future, and pricing will be. I don't think they said yet. All the options are on the table. Yeah, it seems so like it you may be able game, to buy games. You may be able to have a service. Rent time. Yeah, uh, you can play pay per hour. Yeah, it, it will change the way people think about how they pay for high end gaming. I'm so. sure that they will. I'll give you the option. I'm sure. I should say I hope they'll give you the option to measure the amount of data that you streamed because that's going to be a, an issue for a lot of people with bandwidth caps with their ISPs. You don't think it'll be like a setting? Oh, oh, it, you mean just like measure like... like Because you're talking about 4K streams. Compressed. I mean, their yeah, codec is good. they're constant. Like, people game for hours. It's true. It's true. I mean, they it, also watch Twitch streams for hours. Yeah. So, so there's... I mean, there's a couple of interesting things... Um, I talked with somebody who's building games for this at a party that night after they announced it, and um, like, there's a power, there's a power thing. Like, there's, in, there's, int it's interesting to me moving the computation out of my house and into a data center someplace where they have better power and better cooling, because if you think about like the amount of engineering that goes into say the power supply for your Xbox One to 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 sustain through spikes and sags that normal home power has. They don't have to deal with that at a data center. They just have a straight, clean DC power that comes in through all the, yeah. you know, the building-wide stuff. Mm -hmm. um, like that's that's super interesting. And the other thing is, like, if if you're subscribed to the service, they're going to keep upgrading the hardware in the data center constantly. So, like, there's, there's no upgrades for you, right? You buy the controller, you buy the, you pay for the service, you pay for the games. 
not having to replace your PlayStation every five years when they release a new one. Kind of interesting. Well, here's the thing, though. I feel like consoles have almost become commoditized. Like, they're less and less expensive all the time and more and more powerful. But that's not true. The Xbox One X is still 500 bucks, 400 bucks. Yeah, but you don't need it. Like, you don't need it to do to play Assassin's Creed or anything. If you have a 4K TV, you do. D- uh, do you? Can't you yeah. play 4K on a regular no. Xbox One? No. But if you have a 4K TV, you probably... I don't know if I'll okay. be happy with the Stadia stream. Whatever. Like, I'm sure that the, with the you'll be able to do 4K with whatever, you know. You can do 4K with cheap processors. It's just a matter of how much, like, you know, horsepower do you want to put behind the graphics. The My my concern is that... Um, never mind. I lost my train of thought. Well, there's... I mean, there's, like, archival and saving concerns, of course, with anytime you're talking about online services versus owning games. But it, it's it's a weird... This is a weird new world. I mean, I'm going to... I mean, it's going to be. It seems like Microsoft is going this direction with Game Pass. They're going to put Game Pass out on every platform that, that will allow them to. It seems Sony like. had their Gakai acquisition, yeah. so they've been doing this. Nvidia has been do, trying to do this and sell their backend yeah. processing. Like everyone feels like what OnLive pitched and started a decade ago yeah. now feels like the right time because the infrastructure well, is more in place in the U.S. I don't. I, I guess it's not though. I mean, but the, not, but the the bet the bet everybody's making is that five G is going to make this exactly possible. It. Yeah. And, and not 5G on your phone necessarily, but 5G on an antenna that you dangle off the side of your house. I, I, I guess what I, what I was trying to say is that I, I feel like it's gotten so cheap to do local processing, and it's getting cheaper and cheaper. I don't feel like it's necessarily like as compelling as it used to be. I mean, I don't need to have the stuff done in the cloud when I can pay $200 to get it done locally. Whereas where I do is with virtual reality. And I wonder if we'll be able to get to the point where we can actually stream that from the cloud without noticing I don't think latency. so. I mean, at least not with the current infrastructure. Because right now, like, in order to make people not throw up in VR, you need to be sub somewhere between sub-15 or 11 milliseconds per frame. And they're not hitting that kind of latency right think, now. Think of it this way. a bunch of weird reproduction. If there is a console launch, like with every console launch, the price starts high. Yeah. Even if the console manufacturers are t- doing it at cost or taking a slight loss, they're going to be 300 to $500 at launch. If you can tell a gamer that... You know, you, the next generation of Xbox or whatever the equivalent is, is as opposed to paying 300 plus tax, 350, whatever, you have, you can take that money and get six games, five games, AAA games that you normally pay 60 bucks for. Yeah. That's a compelling value proposition and that people might not care that those games are at slightly less fidelity with slightly more input lag if they're single player games. I mean, I, I happily paid 15 bucks to EA to try Anthem and play a little bit of Battlefield Five, right? Like I'm, I'm. I think that that is an interesting way to. When, when you're faced with a situation where you're paying sixty dollars for games and you don't know if they're going to be good or not, and you may or may not be able to return them depending on the platform, paying for a service seems like a better option. The other if thing the is new stuff is there. A lot of these games now, the, at least the ones that people are spending a lot of time in, or even they're designed to be forty, fifty hour experiences because you want to max them out. The way you think about how you play those games completely changes. If you're playing Red Dead. I can now play, and it's a 100-hour game, or can, I could spend up to 100, 200 hours in it. I can play it at home. I can play it with traveling. I can do all the stuff that I might not, maybe not do a story stuff, but like just kind of grind and get the same type of utility of that and get very similar quality. But if I want to do like the full cinematic narrative stuff, do that at home. I'm but sitting not on the bus on the way no, to work. And on and, all your, yeah. and you can do it literally pause and, and on your, right. You play for, you play that night before and on your way to work, you all your saves are there. You can literally unpause the game yeah. on a different client. Uh, that's a convenience factor that I think that people will find really compelling. Yeah, that's compelling. Here's here's a bad here's a bad thought. 
hey, it's uh, Thursday night. It's a real prime time time for games. And you're like, I'm going to fire this up and let's see. And you log into Stadia and it's like, oh, hey, there's a your node. Your local node is under heavy load right now. You're 57th person in the queue. That's one, the infrastructure problem. Yeah. Two, hey, oh, remember that game we all loved four years ago? Team Fortress 2 or let's go all play that now. Oh, no. Stadia no, no longer has the anymore. service, yeah. no longer has the license to that. That's yeah. the other fear. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Netflix problem. Yep. It's funny. The Netflix problem isn't an issue for movies. Nobody cares about that in movies. Because you watch it once, you're good. Games, we all, we, like, you want to be able to, I want to go back and play Gears of War 3. I want it to be there. Because you are putting just as much yeah. in the experience as you're getting from the, the sandbox they've set up. The other thing that is, of course, it's Google. It's tied to YouTube. You'll be able to press the button, save the clip, stream the clip. And so this undoubtedly will be tied to YouTube's efforts to uh, be Twitch. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's we're already seeing interesting stuff in Twitch where, like, if you load up the PUBG or the Fortnite page, they do a little bit of machine learning and recognize, like, how many players are left in a game. So they can say, hey, this this stream is close to the end of a game. You can watch it and see, you know, see them in a final circle or whatever. Like, the more of that, the as we get better at that and as they're building the games. Like, the other interesting thing about this, this Stadia thing is that YouTube, if you're streaming the game, will have a direct layer of metadata that comes from the client to the YouTube So side. you're saying in your YouTube app or as people are watching in YouTube a stream or the YouTube window, you'll get lots of cool I mean, there's data outside the frame, yeah. the 16 by 9 frame. If, if developers provide it, then you'll be able to see things like in-game stats or like imagine if you're watching somebody play Diablo and you want to be able to see what gear they have on their dude, you'll be able to click a button and see the inventory screen. And guess what whatever. developers can also say or publishers at the very least can also say, it's like, oh, we technically have the rights for these games. And the EULA doesn't necessarily allow people to stream. How about let's get a cut of that YouTube advertising revenue we'll see. to, to yeah. get, let people stream the game. Yeah, or referrals or whatever. There's a whole other massive issues around that stuff. Anyway. Strange new world. Yeah. All right. Our uh, second and last tech story. Um, hey, if you have a password on Facebook, you might want to change it. Why is that, Norm? Because uh, apparently Facebook stored hundreds of millions of passwords in a plain text document that's right and it was discovered when must have been years ago right and they're finally letting people know sure. no january discovered in january at least 200 or uh 2000 people had access who uh or rather had searched this file internally at facebook though they don't suspect anyone did so for nefarious purposes why would they store passwords in plain text what the fuck is wrong with them 200 to 600 million facebook users uh, like look when 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 Joe Schmo's coffee shop's website does this, it's no surprise. It happens all the time because people are dumb. But Facebook, for God's sakes, man, they should know better. Everyone's doing hash passwords. You guys remember in the first Mission Impossible movie, the the what? The, the knock first, list. The, the knock list, and like yeah. Tom Cruise goes in the CIA headquarters in the Langley. He dangles from the the rope. Yeah, Jean Reno catches pulls the drip him of sweat. Up, catches the drip of sweat in some weird flickery high speed footage. The knife falls. They steal the knock list. Yeah. File downloaded. Keystrokes logged. Mm-hmm. CIA freaks out, and then Kittredge, head of MI uh, or IMF, goes, "This never happened." Mm-hmm. Yeah. This never happened. Let's send that guy, that the, the technician, send him to the North Pole. He's gone tomorrow. Yeah, isn't that Ned the Head from Groundhog Day, the technician? Needle nose Ned? No, 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 no. No, it's very no. strange. No, it's a guy that no, looks that's like not, him. Yeah. Okay. But you know, denial. I don't know. I my password I use on Facebook is already out there. 
because I know that it is because the new Google extension that informs me of passwords that have been, uh, you know. Do you know about this, Will? Rainbow listed. Yeah. Chrome, uh, one password has done this for ages. Password checkout? Yeah. Except Google has the database. Well, one, I mean. I mean, I bet Google has the Facebook list. <laughs> hopefully, pa- hopefully it's not in a tech stock. Oh, God. What a mess. All right. That does it for tech news. Let's move on. All righty, then. The VR Minute, virtual reality this week. I don't believe this is the next section, Jeremy, according to our show notes. Oh, okay. We can do that. I, th- I thought we were getting short on time, but let's do pinball. it. Pinball. Let's do it. Oh, you have music? I'm a pinball nerd. That makes me very happy. So, how many pinball machines would you say have ever had sequels made of them? Three. I can think of three. What, Star Trek? You are, well, that's true. That's yeah. true. I was thinking actual, like, pinball um, licenses that are non Oh, like IPs, House of Magic. Like Theater of Theater Magic. Magic. Right, like, like internal IPs. Yeah. You know, not too many. You Black got, Hole. You've got, like, High Speed. Uh, yeah. You've got, like, Firepower. You also have The Black Knight. Do you remember The Black Knight? No. Came out in, like, 1980. Okay. Designed by Steve Ritchie. The sequel came out in 1989. Wow. Yeah. Now we have part three. Stern, Wait, what? Stern Pinball has announced their, and this is a big deal, guys. I can't stress to you. I'm very excited. How excited people are just to see Stern doing this, which is making a non-movie, non-rock band, non-cartoon, non-franchised IP game. Now, <laughs> they did license the IP from Williams. Because so they, Williams yeah, did the original course. Black Knights. But they were both designed by the same designer now working as Stern, Steve Ritchie. And they've announced yesterday the Black Knight Sword of Rage. Hmm. I said this to my family in the morning, and my daughter said, why only Sword of Rage? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you said it should be more than one sword? No, no, no. Or... It's sort of. Oh. Uh, right? That's what she heard. enunciated too clearly. That's what she heard. Um, Good job. I, IGN has an excellent write-up on it because Sam Claiborne is a pinball fan, operator, league member. And uh, the game, you know, who knows? It's it's very similar to the first one. If you remember the first two games, they had the, an upper play field. It's very right flipper heavy. It's very, very similar to all of that. The point is not, it's like, you know, this is going to be the best pinball machine ever made. Who knows? It remains to be seen. Nobody's played it. We'll find out soon. The excitement is finally Stern is doing a non-licensed like IP, and we're super excited to see that. And I hope that it sells well so that Stern can take this one step further and allow their designers, carte blanche, make whatever game you want to make, design your own IP, and we'll own it entirely. And we won't have to pay anybody for it. That's a good thing. And people will buy it because people bought this game. So I hope it's good for that reason. Did you order one yet? No, I, I did ask about pricing. But okay, I, but you've inquired. I did, but then I found out that Free Gold Watch, where we're playing here in San Francisco, already has operators who have ordered it. Oh, perfect. So I'll be able to play Problem it Problem solved. Yeah, so I'll be able to play it. Do you get it. to chop the knight's arms off in the previous Black Knight? So, uh, dude, the, the knight in this game is super cool. He's a center play field. He's got a big flail in one hand, which is like two pinballs attached to a motor, and they rotate like that, and it'll like hit the ball right back at you. Wow. In his other hand, he's got a shield that he can put down, and you can bash. Steve Ritchie said it was the most interactive toy Stern's ever done, which actually, like, it's not saying much because Stern doesn't do interactive toys very much, not like the Williams days, but it's good news to see like a toy that really engages you, and you can, and, and that affects the ball. 
cool. Yeah, so that'll, I can't wait to play it. It's got a lot of RGB lights, even in the pro version now. All right, so we move on. Let's do VR. Let's do it. We All don't right. need to play the intro. Game. All right. All right. Uh, because of last week's GC coverage, we, you only we were able to talk about the Oculus event. Do you want to recap that at all? Updates? No. Well, since then, we've had uh, Palmer Lucky. Well, they announced the, the Rift S. Yes, they announced the Rift that S. That came out, it came out of nowhere. Well, no. Did you guys know about it? We didn't know about it, but like the rumors were swirling. Well, I mean, but rumors are always well, rumors abound. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But everyone, we knew about like TechCrunch did an article on it. The, they knew oh, that's the, true. They knew yeah, the yeah. name of it. Like this was last year. Um, and so, yeah, they finally announced it. It is uh, basically inside-out tracking. No more external trackers. You've got your Oculus Rift. You buy it. You put it on your head. Uh, you don't have to set up anything else. It's one USB port, one uh, display, port. display port. Yep, uh, five cameras. It's a different camera arrangement than on the Oculus Quest. Um, mm. And from what we could tell, the tracking's good. Uh, only places where your controllers may not be tracked so great is up close to the headset and directly behind your head Yeah, or your back. That makes sense, given where they are. the The interesting thing about the S, though, is that there's no physical IPD adjustment to me. <laughs> that is, that is interesting. Because <laughs> um, you know, I had three people stop me while I was walking around GDC and said, "Hey, what's the deal with this Rift S? Uh, is it going to fit my enormous head?" And yeah. I was like, "Well, probably not. I don't know. You have a really large head, friend." Well, of well let's talk about Palmer Lucky's blog post then, because he has the same problem with you. Like, there, there are some conse- There are some. Um, uh, what do you call it when you when you make a compromise? It's there, there's compromises yeah. on the Rift S, and one, I don't know what that word is. And one of, one of them is uh, is the fact that there's what they call digital um, IPD, IPD adjustments. I mean, so. hold on, let's can we talk like inside out tracking on the Rift S? I'm very excited about because the constellation system has always been a little bit janky for me. Like it drifts, it's not great. You can't turn around. It, There's problems. It is well. It's great for the headset for sure because now the headset can't be occluded by anything. Yeah, you can't get your desk between yeah. you and the sensor. Yeah, that's what's gonna be good. It's and perfect. it's instant room scale, which the Rift never had. Yeah, uh, and it still uses constellation for the controllers. And you don't. I mean, it's exciting to reduce a ton of of USB devices from the setup. Yeah. So that like you're not constantly running out of too many addresses, too many USB endpoints on your system. No, I think that's that's by and large a win. Like, but it is an it is an LCD panel. It's no longer OLED, so you're not yeah. going to get those rich blacks. It's 10 hertz lower than the current Rift. It runs at 80 hertz. That is a compromise. Well, that's interesting. But like it's a, and it's also the same resolution as the Go, not the Quest. The Quest is actually a slightly higher resolution, the but Go's... it's a pentile display versus the RGB stripe. So there's actually more subpixels oh. on the Go and the Rift S than there are on the Quest. Is it the same panel as the Go? Yes. Okay. Well, it's a single panel. It's we, a single panel. They did said it's not the exact it's exact same resolution. supplier, but for all intents and purposes, the original the, same. the original Rift is a single panel as well. It's not no. two separate. It's two separate panels. Yeah. Separate panels. Oh, let's. Oh. So then you're you have off-axis viewing as well. Like um, you're not getting you're not getting a. I've I've said before already that my biggest concern is the audio because they went with Quest and Go style audio. Oh, the piped in, piped in audio, which you know is better than nothing, but it is nowhere near as as good as the Rift audio, which I think is is the industry leader. Sufficient but not great. Yeah, I, I would. Hmm. Yeah, I, I would say that the the Go audio is fine for laying in bed watching Netflix, especially if I cuddle the pillow around the side of my head, so it kind of scoops it all into my ear holes. You lose a lot of fidelity. But like, I want. You're not going to get immersed in Beat Saber with those headphones. Is there? Is there a? Uh, is there well, a Beat Saber on Quest? Option? Same thing though. Headphones. 
Yeah, I yeah. think that they're that well, they have two. They have a headphone jack on each side. Yeah. You know, they're developing some sort of audio solution, and I hope they bring that to the Rift S as well. Rift S only one headphone. jack. I know, I know, but a bit. I so hope but there's a headphone it. jack on the headset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, definitely. Oh, okay. You can always wear headphones, but then you got the then whole juggling thing that you have to do with the Vive, and it's like a pain in well, the butt. Well, that's why I bought a Vive Pro or an audio strap, exactly. so I don't have to do that. The audio strap is my favorite thing. But the biggest the compromise, according to you and Palmer Lucky, is a lack of a physical IPD adjustment. So yeah, like the Go, like the Oculus. Go, it will uh, have basically be tailored for an IPD of about 64 millimeters. Yep. Then there'll be a window outside of that that people will be supported by and won't have any problem with. But if you go too far outside of that range, you're out of luck. And they were lenses. Is the sweet spot on the lenses bigger? Or do they we said know? they said yes. They said bigger, better than the Go. They have not actually officially announced the IPD range. The Go also or, didn't or how IPD. that will work because it's is it it's not just a matter of moving the images left and right. There's also how, how it works with the lens. It's, yeah. It could be lens-specific. Weird. Like changing I, the image. I mean, it, look, the Oculus has always... Th their headsets have always been less ergonomically comfortable for people with heads outside of the... I think Palmer said the 5 to 95% range percentile in his blog right. post. You're talking about the optics or the, the uh, strap? Both. Both. Like, their headsets are small. If you have a large head... Like, mm. Jeff Gersman, friend of the site, has said that the Rift is physically uncomfortable because it squeezes the side of his head well hmm. they got rid of that design well right but the the um even like the original headset like your glasses wouldn't fit in the original no. the original rift yeah. i had to go buy special glasses when we were building stuff for rifts so, look good, them. You look so good. this one will fit glasses because it is very much like the playstation uh, halo style design they went to the mr playstation halo and i yeah. part of the reason they may have partnered with lenovo is i think playstation has the patent on that design which lenovo licensed Hmm. And Lenovo is manufacturing this headset, mm, and really? so they can do that Halo strap design as well. Hmm. Oh, okay, it's interesting because it Quest doesn't do Halo, does it? Is Quest a Halo? No, Quest, no. Quest, Quest is like a traditional like strap, strap. Yeah. rubber strap. Yeah, yeah. weird. Uh, so yeah, there's no physical IPD adjustment, so that you're going to have fewer people that can use this headset than can use the original Rift. And you asked the question to Nate Mitchell in, in our interview; he admitted as much and said yes. If there, if you are outside of the sort of the medium, the sort of middle range, then you're going to want to get a standard current edition Rift. Which is not available. And then it's sold out. So yep. it, it is now sold out. You haven't been able to buy a Rift for about a week. I mean, so... And Quest doesn't come out till Rift, spring. Rift S is... is I'm sorry, like, Rift doesn't come out till. Who knows? Who knows? They yeah. just give it a launch date. So, I mean, there, there's people... There's, there's people everywhere. But there's people definitely on r slash on Oculus that are hoping, like, can we have it at PAX? Did they post a price? No. Well, yeah, yeah, three ninety nine. Okay, so it's Which basically also a little weird. Hundred bucks more than given the... that the Rift has been three forty nine for the past two months. Well, they're running out the stock. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. I I'm I didn't get to see it at the show. I, the line was always longer than I wanted to wait in. Tracking's great. Um, it's comfortable. The resolution bump is noticeable. The RGB stripe is noticeable. Okay, it's good. Yeah, you know if, but the question will be, does it work on your headset and on, on your head, face. and how does that digital IPD actually look, how and how does it, does it affect you? Yeah. yeah, I mean the Go is okay for me, but my my IPD is firmly in the middle of the fat part of the curve, so it's like I don't have a problem. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I'm 61, perfectly average. Um, uh, yeah, so that that was announced. Mm. All right, I didn't non Rift S style news. Okay. Uh, software side, we have Moondust 3.0. I missed that. I got to go download that. Which is a Valve game with three in the title. It's, it's like the new lab. 
it's like the new lab. It is a tech demo for the Knuckles controller, which uh, they revised last year, the second generation Knuckles, which is not a consumer uh, a product available to consumers, but they are still developing for it. And I'd love to hear if anyone has a chance to try Boondust 3.0, what it's like with the Knuckles controller. I have Knuckles controllers, but they explicitly asked us not to share them with press this go round. So I don't know why. Can't yeah, imagine. Why did they do that? Why did they have to uh, ask that? Did they do demos at GDC this year? No. Valve didn't have a, a booth, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, they didn't have one last year either. They did, they? They did a talk. Well, they had space for developers to show off their games. Last year. Last year. This year, they did not. Mm. Uh, uh, on the content side, or actually, a little bit more hardware side, uh, Quest, which we still don't know the launch date for, but they told us a while ago there would be it would start at 64 gigs mm-hmm. um, as their storage, which is great for anyone who has a Go. You know that needs more storage. Go, Go has 32 and 64. Yep, this one starts at 64, but there also will be a 128 gigabyte SKU. We're, as, not, we're not supposed to know this. As listed on Amazon. Yeah. What? Yeah. As Amazon. Amazon leak? That's impossible. Well, <laughs> which which could also mean that this is just BS and it's just someone. No, it's some real. overzealous retail. It's real. I mean, presumably these are mobile sized games though, so it's not like you're going to need. A million gigabytes to you download. Nodes for sideloading media, all sorts of things. Are you going to be able to sideload media? Yeah, just like in the, the Go. Okay. Yeah, and it'll be USB C, which will be much faster. You can't sideload apps, though. Well, you yeah, can. You just, can. Just like really? an Android device. Yeah. yeah. I've got a Virtual Boy emulator on my Go. It's no, no, no. I mean on the Quest. Are oh, you yeah, going to sideload apps on the Quest? Carmack yeah. said that the sideloading capabilities on the Quest will be exactly like they are on the Oh, Go. that's fine. Uncle Carmack. That sounds good. Uncle John watching out for us. <laughs> yes. Watching out for the hackers. So how much is it going to be? Is it going to be $50 more or $100 more? $100 or, more. I think $100 more. For well. 64 gigs? Why would you not? It's, wow. a, it's the next better one. It's a 100 buck jump. Apple wow. established that years ago. Well, for 32 64 it was only 60 or 50 bucks on the Go. Yeah, but that's but for that's a, a non-premium that's a $200 product. $200 non-premium yeah. product. I think it'll be $100. Wow. I don't think so. I think it'll be less. Than it, it, here's the thing. It makes sense for them to make more space on the device so people can buy more games. Yep. It's in Oculus's best interest to give us a better deal on the memory so that it, so that we can spend more money on games and less time dicking around with storage. It's really to- a question, though, of whether that $400 price point was really, really... If they're taking a loss on how that. much margin exactly? Yeah. How much margin, if at all, on that four hundred dollars? Because this would be a way for they know for the people who want the higher capacity probably have the money to spend on it. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Denberry two, it was showed there. It was uh, announced. Spring Monday. has announced sprung, by the show. way. We're in the quest window now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Like it could come out at any time. Anytime. Any moment. It could be out by the time this podcast is on. Dan Buried, of course, uh, first-party Oculus shooter game that was used to demo the touch controllers. It is now Dead Buried 2 will be out on Rift S, the Rift platform, and the mobile Quest platform. And there's free movement. It's basically Quake. So it's- having not used real, like, Final Quest, I've only tested, like, used dev kits and stuff. Yeah. How... Like, do you feel like you could roll around on the floor with that thing on and it would continue to work? You are not encouraged to roll around the floor on any of this stuff. In demos that we use at OC5, in the, the Den Bear demo, yeah. no rolling around. You what can, the fuck, no, man? You can totally roll around if you, you want you, to. You could. They just don't recommend it with their kits. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, okay. It's, it's developed by Gunfire Games, just a third party. But obviously Oculus, Oculus paid, Studios paid for it. Paid for it. it it's yeah. all theirs. But it's, uh, I, I, you know, and you know what? I don't know if this sequel is developed by them or not. I just assume so. Oh, I mean, it's the same to uh, Ryan from, from uh, the team. Is that first party? I thought they were first party. They're ex-id folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ex-id folks. They worked on Quake. So uh, presumably uh, this game will feel a little more like Quake Deathmatch. So I played it. Oh. It's, uh, it's actually a, it's, I mean, when you watch the video, you think to yourself, Am I going to be able to play this game? Because it's going to make me sick. Because you're jumping off. You're not actually jumping in the sense of, of 
your character goes higher. But you can run off platforms and fall down to the platform below. I mean, the Marvel game wouldn't even let you do that. They did a fade to black and like they brought you back up once you hit the floor. Like they're very careful. This game's much more ambitious with the with the locomotion, and you're running around super fast. You can either do snap turning or just turn your body. Um, you're picking up dynamite. You can throw it. You're finding weapons, and you can you know shoot people. But it's uh it's very much a first person shooter, and I think it's gonna fill a, a niche that people are gonna want to try, whether or not they're ready for it at launch. I'm really curious what Untethered does to snap to turn. You, I, you still want to snap. I, that, that's one of my, my gut is that as well. Because playing any 360 or even 180, of course, from 180, but any, any 360 game tethered, yeah. snapping is just faster. It's faster and more comfortable. And more, yeah, and more comfortable. Yeah. Less immersive. Even, even with that sweet 72 hertz, you still want, you still just not enough to spin around. But I do wonder, what are the best gamers going to end up doing? They're probably going to do a combination of both because that's the fastest that's way to turn. so disorienting. The yeah. snapping? I don't like the snapping. I still don't like the snapping. What? You, you don't like snap turning? No, no, no. I like to just turn. Well, I'll be curious to see how, yeah. how you play this game. We'll the, see. The, the bots are way too hard. Oh. Way too hard. I can't wait to play this with just humans. Like, this was a three human, three bot match. Bots just demolished us. Hmm. And I lost by one point to a super hot developer. Developer of super hot. Yeah. Got it. Uh, also announced on the Quest, a bunch of games, because they're launching 50 titles, and we're in the spring window now. Uh, Dance Central from Harmonix coming out on Quest. Announced today at announced PAX. Announced today at PAX East. They have that. If you're at PAX East, go wait in line and play it. Uh, there's also Rec Room for Quest, which I think everyone who plays Rec Room assume will be coming out, but it's good to have that confirmation. I mean, that's awesome. That, that's a perfect thing for Quest. That is like being able to move around the room and play those, those quests that we did. wait. It would be really good. That is, not, that, is an, that is difficult. That is a hard, ambitious... Um, optimization project for them well, like, I mean, they never intended to be on mobile that oh was, really that was always going to be a pc game and they so they've been working furiously for months now oh, to, get, to get it to run on mobile i assumed they went with lo-fi art so that they could move to mobile because like they don't have dynamic lights and stuff like they that they went with lo-fi art thing. so that they could iterate fast they have these oh, two-week cadences where they release new modes all the time but i mean they're not using dynamic lights or anything like that yeah, so yeah, yeah. Should, is it going to be the full rec room experience or are I they leaving out certain subset we don't know yet okay. I, i'm very excited I, i'm glad this this could be one of the great apps. I mean, if they can really pull off the entire PC feature set. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy, did you play the Grodbort's multiplayer thing? Yeah. Uh, so yes, League? let's talk about quick Magically. Magically was there at GDC. They showed off a multiplayer AR game from Weta. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy, game of show. I played it. I love this this app. Norm, if there's one reason that you needed to be at GDC this year, Ugh. I'm telling you, have a Magically, right? Adam has Magic Leap. We have, we have, access to we have one. Leap. We only have one. When does this come out? But you need three other people with Magic Leaps. Like, <sighs> that's the problem. So when we did our Magic Leap review, we speculated how multiplayer could work and whether they would embrace a in-location, um, multiple, multiple people using Magic Leaps type multiplayer experience mm -hmm. or something that would take advantage of the world mapping and project another person remotely yeah, right, into right, right. your space. So you could see how that would work. You could do either. You could do either. But yeah. the, most this is, the most interesting thing about this is like it is a shared actual space and so you put the headset on i was the first one in there which i think is probably the best way to experience this because you, you pick your avatar and you don't really know what you look like and then the next person in line gets outfitted and you suddenly the mirror and suddenly well no that's true but you can't see yourself obviously in the oh yeah, yeah and then <laughs> and then they're on the other side of this mock living room that they set up at G gdc and suddenly this person 
in the real world, their head changes to a, a weird steampunky universe robot style head that they've chosen from their menu. It was really good. It's like, what? I didn't know the Magic Leap could do that. So and it's like perfectly mapped to their head and they're walking around the room and it tracks like one to one. It's not floating. So what is it tracking? Is it it's tracking, tracking the headset? It tracks position, but it also tracks. Oh, you're asking technically? Yeah. Let me, just also, let me quickly tell you what it's also doing. It's also mirroring their eyes. So they're finally putting the eye tracking to some social purpose. Yeah. So that you, where they look, their, their avatar head looks when they blink or when one eye blinks that's what happens they come to life in a, in a really when they, interesting they, way they do lip flap programmatically uh, based on the microphone. Voice, the microphone and then um, a, you know b a bunch of you know uh, kiwis that the, the developers are they have you serve tea before the match so everyone has a teacup one person has the kettle and everyone's pouring tea virtual and teacup tea. yes Pot. it's okay. all fake yeah. well it's your controller got it and uh, but suddenly like the magic leap goes from something wherein as the user you're you can see one tracked object the controller you now have multiple track things two, two for every other player you right. have their headsets and their controllers. controllers and it's not tracking the headsets with uh, infrared it's sharing world data oh, oh really they're linked yes. with that's the map that, of the world there's no way they can map the head on the headset that accurately unless there's some sort of strobe or something on the headset i asked there's really? I thought, I said, well, is there an infrared transmitter we never knew about on the front of these headsets? How do I, how am I yeah. able to see that? No, it's all interconnected uh, inter uh, sharing world data. So when I played, there was one person whose head, whose real life head or hair was clipping through the model that they chose a little bit. Uh -huh. But like for the most part, it was, un it was astounding how well that worked. A woman worked, walked over to me and, um, and I said, uh, you know, oh, would you like some tea? And and he said, <laughs> "What do I look like?" I said, "Oh, you're a woman. I thought you were a woman." It's and he's in the freaking real yeah. world with me. You now saw the, him put so that on. The, opace, the opacity of the projections, perfect, are good enough to mask perfect headsets, yeah. even though we per have been able to see through them. You literally could not see. I mean, we're inside a trade show floor, so it was like you know, lighting. artificial lighting. Yeah, but it was still very bright. You couldn't see through them at all. That is interesting. Um, now, what about? Um, the minimum viewing distance. Now, were it was you fine. all uh, the, the field of view and the dis the, the the clipping distance you, affect how the room close was like twenty could, feet by twenty feet. Probably. You couldn't bring the T as fast as close yeah. as you want. But besides that, it was cool. But now you're in a first person shooter where everyone's firing their steampunk gun. Sure. And now you've got all these objects. Like the guns are now tracked with everybody, yeah. and they're firing missiles that tr project out of the gun and hit the real world. Yeah, everyone's doing like this. you're ducking under real life cover to shoot a virtual person. It's yeah. also a real life person. And when you shoot people, the avatar head, like the eyes pop out in a cartoony way. It's it's super cool. And then they turn into a skull. Yeah, when they die, they turn into a skull who still exists in the real world. They can still shoot too. I want to play. Know I think it was good. The games were really short. Yeah, like uh, mine lasted maybe ten seconds. This seems much more fun than doing that kind. Of, it, it seems like the the AR version of a dead buried OC five experience we did. That the location-based experience. It's true. It's true. I wouldn't have expected the quest to be able to do that out of the gate. So there was that level of ingenuity. But this, to me, was really like, I didn't think that the, that Magic, the Magic Leap, Leap could do this. I want to yeah. play this multiplayer across the internet. Like, I want them to figure out how to do shared spaces. Yeah. And I want to be able to play you in your living room with your avatar and all that. In stuff. the future when we all have AR headsets. When we all have AR headsets. Yeah. Very, yes, very cool. Next year. So much VR news. One last big VR news dump on the Sony side. Sony had an event this past week called State of Play. It's kind of their mini E3 ahead of E3. And there were a ton of VR news that came out of it. First off, they've announced, confirmed how many PSVR headsets have sold since they launched. You have a 50. number? 
million? Four million. It is four million. It is exactly four point yeah. two million, which is a lot. It's basically as many as have sold on the Vive and the Oculus combined. Yeah. So that is that's huge. And of course they know how many people are actually using it on a regular yeah. basis, but they're committed to releasing games so they have game announcements as well. First of all, uh, No Man's Sky VR was announced. Big thing. VR for that game in general, big, but coming to PSVR, of course. It's coming to PSVR and Vive both. And Steam yep. VR. So simultaneously. It needs it needs a lot of players yeah. to make it interesting. Now, I understand it, that game has become more interesting since it was launched. Have you not played it since it launched? No. Oh my god. It's yeah, they've added a ton of really good well, stuff. Multiplayer. It, it, I got I got deep. I played a ton uh last summer when they released the Beyond update, maybe, or the next I can't remember. It's the one that added base building and sixteen player multiplayer. Yeah. And it was it's janky but really interesting. Like in a weird, like you can go, you can get a, you know those big freighters that you could see and couldn't do anything with in the initial game, you can buy one of those and then you and your buddies can get on that with your ships in the bay mm-hmm. and you can fly to other space star systems together, and you can go have adventures. Okay, it's pretty cool. It always seemed like a game that would lend itself to VR, even at launch. Does the VR stuff live inside normal games, or do you play in a separate like shard of the of the universe in VR? Do we know? Uh, they said it the entire game. Okay, the whole feature set. That's cool. That's awesome. Did they announce anything about new controllers at the at the for the PSVR norm? No, no hardware announcements, just mm-hmm. software announcements. Um, and then uh, game wise, Skyworld, which is an RTS game from Vertigo Games, yeah, a... Falcon Age, which is a Falcon Falconing game. I played that Day of the Devs. That's oh, coming out right. in uh, on April 9th, I think. I'm yes, very it excited is. about that. Uh, Ghost Giant, which we played at E3 last year, coming out April 16th. I'm excited for that. Kind of a, a puzzle game with scale. You are a giant ghost. Um, there's an Iron Man VR game that's Ooh. coming out. Is Iron Man in Marvel uh, Powers United? I don't think he is. Yeah, he is. Is he? Yeah, he has to be. Yeah, that's what I thought, but I'm not sure he is. <laughs> I'm, I'm confirming right now. Uh, Falcon Age, just so you no, know. Iron Man is not. Yeah, so that, this is huh. why. Like Iron Man is its own game, and that makes a lot of sense. I want to play that game. All right. Mm. Uh, there's Jupiter and Mars. There's Everybody's Golf VR. Blood and Truth has a launch date now. This is the big London Studios AAA action game. Uh, May is this 28th. like the London Heist thing? Exa- it's what spun off of London Heist. Oh, that's exciting. Game. That, th- that was really um, cool. Uh, Squanch, Squanch Games, Trover Saves Universe, coming out May 31st. That's the Justin Roiland VR game. Okay. Vacation Simulator, Alchemy Labs, coming out June 18th. Uh, on PSVR, and then, of course, a Five Night at Freddy's game, oh. which is uh, going to be great for the kids. Spring 2019. So games coming out before E3. Mm. Uh, Presumably, this means no there's Sky a bunch summer. of new stuff coming out after E3 as well, right? Presumably. Or announced. Announced so for, a, for, for holiday, yeah. yeah. This, is, this is great for the PSVR ecosystem. I mean, they're doing good stuff. I'm, I'm glad that they're trying a bunch of interesting stuff, and they're bringing indies. It seems like it's a good scene. Uh, and then... I think that does it. Oh, there was a press event for Nintendo Labo VR, uh, and Gadget has a really great write out, uh, write up. Finjo over there got to play it. We did not get to go, uh, but it looks uh, really cool. People are saying that despite the technical um, insufficiencies of the Switch, uh, what Nintendo has been doing with the three off sensors on the Joy Cons and the headset has made this at least a really interesting and fun set of. VR mini games. I mean, it, none of this stuff looks like something you're going to put on and do for six hours, right? It's not like you're going to get in there and get lost and play Echo Combat for hours and hours and hours. You're going to put it on, use it for ten minutes, and then hand it to the next to the other kid in the room. It seems like. I think it looks really exciting. What Labo VR? Yeah, dude, it looks really cool. Can't wait to put it together. Yeah, me too. That does it for our VR segment this week, but we're not done. We got one more, one more segment. 
right. more thing. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. One more thing. If you really want to do this. For episode 493, let's hear. Things that annoy me. Is <laughs> that too bad? No, it's great. That but, annoys me, Jeremy. Um, so I, you know, you don't sound very annoyed. So wait, wait Will, Will, let's set this up. Well, yeah. Jeremy so had start two episodes ago. Two episodes ago, he revealed the fact that on his phone he keeps a note stock of things that just annoy him. You keep an enemies list. <laughs> It's not people. No, it's just things that the wor- happen in the world. I'm not on there, am I? No, it's okay, like that's good. I don't think so. Let's see, let's find out. Let's, say, let's just knock out a couple of these real quick. Let's we do two. We didn't let's do, do two. You got to save these, man. If you well, how, how many one, things do you have on the list? We'll, we'll do one an episode enough. until episode 500. Okay. Let's that not spend good. too much time on them. Let's just get to the bottom of it. You guys can help me understand where it comes from. All right. Let's hear. Let's hear one. Um, God, that's a big. What one. grinds your gears? Let's not Jeremy. do that one today. Uh, sa- okay. Save that for. Build um, up. All right, so you know, so you know, you're talking to somebody, and you make an interesting point. Like, boy, I wish, sure wish the the Oculus Rift S had IPD adjustment. And then somebody next to you says, "Right? You know this? You've heard this, right? This is <laughs> about me, isn't it? <laughs> no, no, it's not. <laughs> I or feel like, personally attacked. You're like you're listening to a podcast or something. Like, boy, those guys they went on about that thing on Netflix for way too long." And then the guy. I know, right? I was like, right? And like, I hate that. I hate that Why to do you my hate core that, because I'm the one that made the point. That's my point. You I think had that, that you think thought. That they're taking the they're taking the thought from you. They are co-opting like every all my words, my thought, like the the time I spent to express this thing. Uh-huh. They're taking that and they're like putting it back on me. Like I'm the I have to respond to that. I don't. I just made you the freaking fix point. This? I can help you fix this problem. I can help you feel okay about this right now. Literally, no one has ever had an original thought ever. Once you acknowledge that okay. and you're ready to move beyond, then you you're going to be fine. You need now, to find peace. So, is it if the person that said that yeah. wanted to not only uh, to, to to show that they were had this, they they agreed with you? I would love to hear that. So, what what is the right phrasing? I what have, is the more appropriate phase, phrasing that would not Jeremy, trigger? You give, are so right. Give me. Something. I've never known a person to be more right than you. Yes. This is an. Ins- That's it, Jeremy. This is an insightful and, and you know analysis, Will, and my life is richer for having it in my life. You, you hear me? That's exactly what people should be saying. They're like, I agree with you. So, I think that's. I think that's what they mean. And you're using the same words to express both. Yeah, you're using the word right. It's yeah. just whether the word is right as a question mark or right as a as a statement. I do think that they probably mean to express that. Jeremy, you are. They're not. This is a. That. This is a deep insight into the 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 uh, the, the, really. the price of being human. All right, here's another one for you. No, first of all. I think we can dive more into this. <laughs> this, Norm- and, and also, this also I realize is an instruction manual for breaking you. <laughs> oh, right, yeah, you're, right, right. You're ex- you're expressing weakness at a really high level here. Can I go on? Yeah. Okay. Let's let's hear right. one more. One um, more. All right. So you know, you know, people on Twitter they like. <laughs> They like to oh, those people. They like they like exposure, right? Like they they really right. Like, they, they like to be liked, and they like to be retweeted. And I think I, it's hard. And now. I appreciate that. But you know what you should do to get retweets? You should tweet something interesting. You should say something that people want to share. When people t- tweet and they say in their tweet, "Retweet if you agree." Yeah, I'm like f that, dude. 
I am never retweeting. Right. I might uh, unsubscribe <laughs> right now. Right. The whole retweet to agree phenomenon is if it is a whack approach How? to getting retweets because okay. everybody who likes it or comments agrees. You don't have to retweet to agree. That's a way to get people to retweet you. I know, right? <laughs> well, uh, let me ask you a question. Yeah. How do you feel about a fave for option A, retweet for option B poll? That, that's the same thing. I think it's going to grind his gears the same way because it, the purpose of that is to uh, solicit yeah. actions well, the, let me tell and you, to get your, your own account um, uh, amplified exactly. based on other people's content. That's what I was trying thoughts. to say. That, yeah. I agree with you. I Thank pre- you. Yeah, that was well put. I know, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so <laughs> I'll I'll go through my mindset for for retweeting. Do you um, ever say retweet if you agree? I don't no. think you do. You're above uh, unless that. unless you're a, unless you're using it as a joke to poke fun at that. Usually, retweet yeah. if you, you agree. Yeah. If, if, if there's a, a reasonable meta yeah. way to use that as a uh, as a commentary on the thing you're retweeting, mm-hmm. then that's appropriate. I would say the other option, the other time that's acceptable is if you're like the first person who's written about something of great social importance. Like, for example, defeating Article 13, which is the thing that we didn't talk about at all this week, which is probably the most impactful tech news I'm think realizing now because uh, they passed Article 13 yesterday, the thing that ruins copyright in the EU uh-huh. and pr- therefore also the world. Anyway... Um, <laughs> Yeah, so like, please, if you're the first person to write about the thing, say please retweet, spread the word. That's different. That's yeah. different than retweet if you agree. Yeah. yeah, retweet if you agree is clearly a. Well, my account deserves to g- get a lot of internet points. Yes. For an idea that I found that other people probably also saw. So you agree with me? I do agree with you, uh-huh. and I, I will share my thinking as well. I retweet a lot of stuff, and I know a lot of people are, don't retweet unless you have something to add to it. Mm. In a lot of cases, I don't need to add to it. I think it's just about getting sharing a link that I like, and I'm not going to add anything retweet with comment unless I really feel like I have something to add to it. Yeah, and in many cases, it's a lot of like things that let the per, the person who made the original comment they're the best person to to speak for themselves about it, and I don't need to put my voice in that conversation. There you go. All I want to do is make sure other people so, see it. Yeah. So my, I think retweets suck, just in general. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I think retweets are bummer machines, because usually, like, if something you like, you quote tweet it, and you'll be like, hey, I think this is an awesome link, and you should look at it. I think by Boom. the action of clicking retweet, you're already saying that. No, but that's not the way most people, like, I use retweets exclusively for shit that I think is important to share, but don't care, like, I'm either too bummed out about or don't care enough to actually make a comment. So I just stopped retweeting, and I also filter all the retweets, and Twitter's much better if you don't have retweets in your feed, it turns out. You can do that? Yeah. If you use TweetDeck huh. or, or TweetBot. I think even in Twitter. In yeah. Twitter proper now, yeah. Just turn off retweets and then you don't ever see them again. And it turns out most people retweet shit that they think is important but sucks. I would, you know, on a side note, I would be curious to learn how people with a million followers actually exist on Twitter. Like, uh, besides a having... A million followers? Besides having a social media manager. Like, yeah, do they... How do they possibly keep up with that... The oh, you mean who follow a, yeah. a million people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no, no. Who have a million followers? Who are just? Everyone. I have a hundred thousand. No, you're good, dude. You're amazing. Like you're you compared <laughs> Thanks, to me. Man. Compared to me, you have. Uh, it's not about the number. You have a world of followers. It's not about the number. I just have a city, but I really, I you, you don't have as many as Adam or no. you, know, you know the big ones. Uh, but you can look at their you can look at their mentions and see like it's most people don't respond. Yeah, most people are just like. Hey, thanks for sharing that. And they hit the like button. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to interact with people. Uh, you know what I you know what annoys me? 
That's when oh, people are whoa, on Twitter. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This is Jeremy's second. <laughs> oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> no, I, I actually. I, I Encroachment I, is what annoys Norm, think, it turns out. Okay, what annoys no, you? No, what no, I don't share now. It's too late. The moment's In an passed. ideal world, we all share. What grinds your gear as well? I don't like it when people say I don't read my mentions. Uh, in their purpose, they're like, "Hey, I'm on Twitter. I'm here to broadcast some of my bullshit, oh, but yeah. I'm not going to interact with you." Well, that's just bad form. They're yeah. not, yeah. yeah, especially explicitly that. saying that. It's very popular these that's days. That's like Woody Harrelson doing an AMA. I'm on too Reddit. cool. You know, he's like goes on there and like or, people ask real questions. He's like, THQ, "What is this?" Yeah, here's my no. SoundCloud. Yeah, How, what's the uh, million ducks or duck-sized horse? I don't know oh, which one. Oh boy, big yeah. chickens are scary. Okay, Sekiro. All right, gold, Jeremy. Jeremy Two two winners. Wow! And and if those were even on the bottom no, of the list, those were moving up. Yeah, then I just I can't wait. I just this right thing. I feel like you're taking some semantic like conversation, and I think you're maybe being a little prickly about it. I don't think so. I don't think so. Good... I think I think people are trying to say right as in, hey, I think you're right, buddy. No, they're not. No, no, I don't think so either. They're, they're, How can you they're, tell? They're like telling me they thought it. How can you they, ever tell what's happening? All inside that of the means is head? they thought of it first. Can that I ever, I didn't bring anything to can them. You, can you ever really trust someone, Jeremy? That's the question at the end of the day. I think you're saying the answer. They is no. might have thought of it first, but they didn't freaking express it. Yeah, but the word right is a powerful word. It allows you to take any statement that may be true or false that you don't know is true or false and just say it as fact and you can add at the end yeah. of a sentence and then just say oh right right <laughs> <laughs> all right I best like podcast we've all, ever we've all learned something right today. and it, and then also in the conversational back and forth in the in the um the the ping pong game that is a conversation yeah. it puts the ball back in your court yeah. because it is a question I put the ball in play what are you doing yes. without them in your, I mean they haven't added anything that's true I yeah mean, yes uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give something grind yeah. my gears good <laughs> good the word weird weird I think the word weird is the one like, of the worst keep adjectives. Portland weird oh, keep yeah. Austin weird of all time why do you think it's bad Norm? it's just not descriptive it's enough? not descriptive it is it is a, such a generic nondescript mm. there anytime the word weird is used there's a, probably a better adjective yeah, you can do, better. do you think that this is our fault for de- devaluing the word by overusing it in context that it wasn't originally intended for probably why what was it originally intended for well it was supposed to be about magic right what yeah the weird know way, that you know, Paul Atreides uses the word to blow up the people his name is a weird word Huh. You never read oh. the book. You just watched the movie, huh? Interesting. Wait, what is this a movie? Harry Potter thing? Yeah, Harry Potter. Oh. What are you talking? It's Dune. Dune. Oh, it's Dune. Oh, is it Dune? <laughs> Damn. No, no you lost me there. Um, no, I mean, I, look, we did. Um, what was it? I had a teacher in elementary in in high school that would give you an F if you used the word neat as an adjective ever. <laughs> That's good because like it <laughs> just means nothing at this point. It's yeah. been completely devalued by overuse, and I think weird is probably well, a candidate for that. I, 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 I've heard you say before you are trying to stop saying certain phrases. Yes, like insane or words. I'm like trying that. to yeah, like like yeah. I think that's admirable. I think that's that we should all go through that. There's a bunch. It turns out there's a bunch of words that are super common, like dumb and insane and crazy, mm-hmm. that all are ableist and shitty to brilliant use. brilliant is probably okay i don't know brilliant you know brilliant it feels a, like it's cultural it's a lifting not a you, know, you not feel a you feel british down. Mm, you know. rad we should just say rad more. i say rad all the Rad's time fucking awesome i think you can bring back words like that yeah they're definitely words like cyclical words are cyclical language language is cyclical. ever evolving yeah, yeah. i hate circles. that that's that annoys me an ouroboros of I think language we should just in embed it in lucite and just never change it again. Oh, yeah. Get rid of proactive while right. we're at it. Fuck proactive. That's not a word. <laughs> the opposite of reactive is active. 
proactive is just it's just it's, uh, anyway gold pure gold all right that does it for this podcast thank you will uh hey, where can people find me. you what stuff are you working on i'm at will smith on twitter um we posted on my twitch stream last night a new animated by foo short um it's something that i threw together in literally 45 minutes yesterday afternoon but we're testing out some new stuff uh that is using depth cameras for face animation and uh, ni- steam knuckles con- valve knuckles controllers and vibe trackers for body animation. Uh, and I will post a link on Twitter as probably after we're done recording this podcast today. Now, what is uh, is that archived on Twitch as well? So you can there's a, there'll be a clip on Twitch. It's okay. in the middle of a long four hour video game session. But yeah, got it. I had to go to the bathroom and I needed something to you know fill the twenty three seconds it takes an average mammal to empty their bladder. <laughs> The more you know. Thank uh, you, Arthur, for listening. We'll be back next week. All right. We have an outro. I apologize if we've heard this one before. These came uh, during. Uh, if you want to send more outros, where should they do that? Uh, they can uh, search Tested Podcast Outro in any of your favorite search engines. And the first link will be a forum post where you can not only download the uh, template to make one, but also you can post there. Yeah, and that's post where in there. we pull them from. Hi there. I didn't see you. Tell me about Danny Boyle's latest movie, Daddy. That was a good one. What was that? What? What was that? Yeah, that was when uh, Norm was going to tell his kids oh. about Star Trek. Oh, no. They weren't going to watch Star Trek. Oh, he was going to tell his kids all about that's, that's each the, That's the baby baby Chan voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, father. <laughs> Wait, what did I say at the end oh, of that? Oh, papa, tell me. Tell me. There's a whole story. Seri- I, let's, let's, let's get rid of all these because somebody sent them to email and I have a hard time keeping track. So here's here's the other one. Wait, two outros? Brian's my beard. Hi there, I didn't see you. <laughs> Sorry. Tell us another one. <laughs> tell, tell us the story of first contact, Daddy. I remember that one. Post-apocalypse storytelling where you're recounting pop culture to your child. Yeah, just like yeah. in Rain of Fire. Yeah. All right, that, is that good? That's good. Okay. See good ya. night. Bye.